Pa 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 We've got to listen to the whole lot for this one. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 10 of Making It So. I'm your host, Craig, and here's my co-host, Maddie. How are we going, up? mate? We're here for Picard season three, episode 10, The Last Generation. Damn. And they all died. Oh. oh, spoiler. Whoops. Mate. I'm kidding. Wow. Yes. All right. We'll, just, we'll, just we'll so get into that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll get into that. So, shall we just do a little bit of news first? There's a little bit of news. Okay. All right. What, uh, what, what news do you have? So, section 31, we've spoken about it before. Oh, right, right, right. Michelle right, Yo right. is coming back. And uh, Section 31 is going to be a was it a Paramount Plus movie. Mm, Direct-to-video. But it seems like I did hear that they're planning on doing every couple of years like a, a Star Trek movie this way now. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, streaming's the, the way to go with all this oh, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, And I'm honestly, like, I've never been on board the whole um, Mirror... Um, What's her character's name? Giorgio. Yeah. Giorgio. Never been a fan of that. Like, I love Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh is just the best. But I've never been a fan of the idea of her, like, a Section 31 show. So I'm kind of glad that I'll only have to suffer through, like, a 90-minute movie instead of, like, 10, <laughs> 10 hours of a TV show. Um, just kind of be one and done. And I think they'll probably just sort of set it up to become the TV show they want anyway. Because... Yeah. What's his name? Um, Alex Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman sort of has still has another TV show he has contractually has to deliver after Starfleet Academy. Um, Michelle Yeoh is not doing a TV show after she won an Oscar. She's like she would just be getting like just a bukkake of offers for her to do films, <laughs> and she's like, I'm not going to do this fucking stupid Star Trek thing. So she's like, well, to be nice because she's a nice person, she's like, let's let's do a TV movie. So I'm only committed to you guys for like four months. And then I can go and make some real money um, as an Oscar-winning actress that, that she should have won fucking yeah. Well, what, once years ago anyway. once you've won an Oscar, that is your prime time mm-hmm. to be getting as much awesome work in as Leverage, you can. Leverage, baby. Get those dollars in. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Because those dollars keep flowing for life mm. as well. So residuals, absolutely. So yeah, you uh, you can't blame her for that, and it's less pain for us. So I'm all for it. Interestingly, they're starting, uh, was it Kurtzman, I think it was, was saying mm-hmm. that we're now moving into what he was calling phase two of Star Trek. Oh, okay, Kevin Feige. Yeah. Jesus. Why does everything have to be in phases? Is, yeah, well, it, is it setting up the illusion that there was a plan from the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> and not just yes. like flying by the seat of your pants? Uh, sounds like DC. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay, phase two. Yes, that pivotal phase two where we do season two of Strange New Worlds <laughs> and and what season four of Lower Decks. Yeah, um, when was uh, season two of Strange New Worlds coming out? It was like the fifteenth of June. Uh, yes. So we'll get that the day after here in Australia. Mm. Um, we usually get it drop on the Friday. So yeah, not long at all. Well, and then I think we do we work the math out. Lower Decks is dropping straight after it. 
Yes. Around about, and then Prodigy will be the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so we've, we've got a lot to come. Anyway, shall we uh, get into reading the synopsis of The Last Generation? Let's do it. All right. So, Season 3, Episode 10 of Picard, The Last Generation. In a desperate last stand, Jean-Luc Picard and generations of crews, both old and new, fight together to save the galaxy from the greatest threat they've ever faced. Writers Terry Metalis, Akiva Goldsman, Michael Chabon, and again directed by one Terry Metalis. Saving all the good toys for himself. absolutely saved the last two episodes for himself. I mean, can you blame him? Those last two episodes, mint. Mm. Right? I have a slight problem with this last... What's that meme? Fucking mint. Fucking mint. Fucking mint. I have a slight problem with uh, this last episode with uh, like one part, but we'll get to that. Mm, press the spoilers button. Press, press the, spoilers the spoilers button. button. Yes. Yay. It's about time Matty reminded me. <laughs> All right. So we get into heavy spoilers for The Last Generation. So that's season three, episode 10 of Star Trek Picard. If you have not seen the episode yet and you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening right now. Find All the right. pause button. Find it. Find that, that pause the, button. To the left. To the left. Right. Even, no, 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 that one, that one, the one on the left. Yep, that, that one. Yep, that, yep. Press Even it. find the one next to it that says stop mm. and just purely stop it. Mm. Go watch the episode, maybe watch it again. All right. Yeah, I guess, I wonder, I wonder, that might help our listen count too because it's like if you start listening to it, how long before it counts as a listen, but then, then you have to stop, go out of it, watch the episode, come back, and then it counts as two listens. <laughs> We're actually not doing too bad with our listens. Uh, well, maybe, well, maybe everyone's doing that, though, so it's actually half of Maybe it's because I listened to the episode two or three times. I don't know. You're the Reese. Reese used to do that. It was great. <laughs> he was like, every time the SoundCloud thing would come out every year, like the most listened, Reese. Awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so awesome. Cool. It was so cool. All right, so at the opening, the opening flash for all of the episodes that we've seen of like um, – Picard, and we've seen like Discovery and all that sort of stuff. It's oh got, yeah, like, it's like their version of the Marvel comic yeah. book flip, and how Star Wars now is doing that little flash of yep. all the helmets and stuff like that. Yep, they changed it this week to the Enterprise D. Yeah, it looked fucking mad, and the like the music was more ominous. And then when it got to like the combat, it was all like Borg, Borged. and there was Borg eye lasers. Yeah. It was just, it was very very cool. It was very well done. It was a nice little touch. Like it's something that they didn't have to do. Mm. Set the mood. I can imagine that creating that title sequence actually cost quite a bit of money mm. to do it, that. It felt like the opening to a movie. Like it felt it felt very cinematic this episode. Yeah. Like yeah. I actually I'm looking forward to watching last episode and this episode back to back. Yes. Yeah, cuz I had a lot of issues with last week with like the cutaway to the weird like green thing and we now we know what that is and then the Jack stuff was weird. And like last week I was like yelling you being like, no, the changelings and the Borg have never been, they haven't even spoken to each other. And now we find out that the Borg queen's been like the, the hand Wilson all along. And I kind of like said that last week in last week's Mm. episode. And you were like, nah, nah, nah. I'm like, well, they did that annoying thing where it's like, they gave it like a, like the deep male voice. Um, And like, it was just that, that silly kind of well, they did the sub, re- subdiffused red herring for us as an audience. It doesn't make any sense in universe, but it was it was a nice way to hide the Borg reveal right until the end. Well, they did the same with Worf too, didn't they? Yeah, originally when he was just a, 
a voice to Raffi. Yeah, it was a but at least that computer. was just like that was just a screen. Whereas like we're seeing like a talking animated three dimensional face. When you think about it though, if you look at the face and you look at how the Borg Queen looked, it kind of looks like yeah. Similar. Now now that we've seen like it's it, you know it wasn't Susanna she was Thompson's. all it messed up. Yeah, it wasn't Alice Cridge or anything like that. So um yeah, now that you see, it, you go okay. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, it still doesn't make sense that changelings are cutting off their hands into a bowl to communicate with the Borg um, <laughs> rather than just use a fucking view screen like the rest of us. Um, but, yeah, no, so that was um, – it was good. Yeah, I think I think back-to-back these two episodes would really, really help um, some of the weird stuff from last week. A nice little thing they did at the start of the episode was mm. as the Enterprise was sort of warping towards Earth and towards the fleet we had her could hear the Federation president calling out over comms through mm. subspace. President Anton Chekhov. Yep. Voiced by Walter Cohing. Yeah, that's really cool. There's this so, weird... And he said that, you know, Pavel Chekhov was his dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, because it's like, yeah, for a second, you just, you hear Walter Koenig's voice, you see the, you like, and you hear the name Chekhov and you're like, oh my God. And then for a second, I'm like, wait. He was, I mean, he was younger than everyone else, but he wasn't that much younger. Like, he'd be dead. He would be dead by now. And then I was like, oh, yeah, his name's Pavel, not Anton. So Interestingly, like, the actor's still alive, though. Yes, yes, of course. But I just mean, like, in Encounter at Farpoint, oh, yeah, you see you see DeForest Kelly as, like, Ancient. just, like, a Mr. Burns times 10. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're like, you're like, oh, no, he wouldn't be able to survive this long. And he didn't sound older. So, yeah, and then, obviously, I, I guess I'm assuming... Giving him the name Anton is a shout out to uh, Anton Yelchin, who played yeah. Chekhov in the movies, who's passed away. So yeah. I'm assuming that was a, that was a nice touch there, but um, that was cool. I had this weird thing in the back of my brain. I don't think it's ever been mentioned on screen. Maybe it was in a book or a game or something I played, but I've always been under the impression that the president of the Federation can't be human. And if you look at like Undiscovered Country. Uh, those episodes of Deep Space Nine and then even like Discovery. But it's like (laughs) the president is always not human because the president is based on Earth. They don't want it to seem like a a dictatorship. So it's like, you know, blah, blah. So so humans are are unable to run for president. I couldn't tell you where I've heard or read or whatever of this. So it was for a second I was like, oh, but then also like, Whatever I'm thinking of isn't can't be canon, so it doesn't matter. So I was like, that's just a cool little nugget. Well, it, it could be somewhere that I can't remember seeing or reading or hearing that myself. But as I said to you as we were watching the episode, maybe Anton Chekhov is only half human. Yeah, doesn't need to have a human mama. Yeah, so that could be enough. Because yeah, the um, the president in no, was she president? The, the one in um, uh, Discovery, Discovery was she- like half. Cardassian or quarter Cardassian yep. and others. So it's like, yeah, you know. Um, was she Cardassian in Bajoran? No, she was just Cardassian and I didn't I, I didn't look close enough remember. to look at n- a nose ridges, but she definitely had the Cardass like a very light Cardassian forehead, but very human skin. So she was at least part Cardassian. Yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, given that we didn't see President uh Chekhov, um, yeah, it could be anything, which is which then doesn't doesn't interfere with if that thing I'm thinking of is a real thing or not, or whether it's just something I made up. So throwback to last week in Jack's um, vision, which um, Deanna was seeing at the beginning, we saw the Borg cube. Yeah. All right. Then we saw the Borg cube 
again and i was like oh maybe there's like more than one cube together or it's like a big base or something mm. it was one cube but yeah. it was probably i'm gonna say 50 to 60 times bigger than any other cube we've yeah, ever seen like like i think a normal cube is like exactly one square kilometer yeah this thing you is know, massive this was like a hundred kilometers each direction yeah. it was Ginormous, like the Enterprise D flew in it. It basically did what what the Millennium Falcon did in Return of the Jedi yeah. in the Death Star. The fucking giant, the fattest, slowest, most like usually like not nimble, most not unnimble in comp. Just you know the fat one, and it's just freaking taking these turns through there, and and just like a room for it to move, and then B like remember what was it season. Three or season four of um, Next Generation, where like they had to take it inside a nebula. They had to take it inside an asteroid, and they're all like cracking, like freaking out about it. It's never been done. Can't be done. Now they just there's enough room for them to move maneuver in here. With that, that's how fucking big this like Borg cube structure thing was. Data was piloting, and he was throwing the fat one around Mm. so much. The inertial dampeners were finding it hard to keep up. Fuck, that and people were moving around on the bridge. That sounds so dirty. <laughs> Just throwing the fat, data was throwing the fat throwing one around. the fat one around. <laughs> I mean, that's got to offend somebody. <laughs> but that's that. That's if um, you're offended, DM me. Yeah, he'll. You know, is it? I'll probably offend you more. Is 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 throwing the fat one around? Is that a euphemism for having sex with a larger person, or is that a euphemism for masturbation? Throwing the fat one around, you know. Look, if either fits you, just go yeah. go with it. Like, choose your own adventure, dealer's choice. Yeah, exactly. And you can we we give this phrase to you, and you can choose to use it however you like. We don't want to discriminate against you either. Yeah, so use whatever you. I want. mean, if you've got a fat one to throw around, more power to you. Yeah. Mm. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I digress. But th- that cube was so big, like mm. you could actually. How big was it? <laughs> no, it was so big that you could actually see it in the storm on Jupiter. And, and is that where it was in like the that red yeah, eye, the, the, like the, the eye the, of that, Jupiter? That massive storm that's on Jupiter that yeah. you know we can see now. Like it was that big, you that's could still cool. see it. Like that is huge. And mm. Jupiter itself is something stupid, like oh, two thousand times the size of Earth or something. Large. And it's like by the time we pulled out, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, pulled out as like you couldn't even see the D. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going very far in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so like by the time you sort of the shot panned out far enough uh, to get all of the, the the cube in shot, and not even all of it because half of it was still inside Jupiter. Thank God! <laughs> thank God it wasn't in Uranus, right? Imagine, imagine, imagine if this like it had been hiding in Uranus this whole time. And then, the, and then the D had to destroy Uranus because the Borg... With that massive protrusion coming out of the, the cube. Because the Borg was coming out of it. Yeah. <sighs> oh, thank God. Um, there, was that, there, there was a quite large array coming out of the side of the cube as well. Lots of spikes. Yeah, and I think that might have been like last week when you thought it was like a big, like, Unimatrixy style thing. Yeah. It does because there's lots of antennas everywhere. And it did sort of have these... It wasn't a perfect square. It was like like little ins and outs and constructions. So it's like now, yeah, now that we get to see it, it's like, whoa, Godzilla cube. But so the last real time we saw the actual Borg before this was in Endgame. Endgame, yeah. When um, and the Admiral Qu- Janeway disseminated the, um, 
neurolytic pathogen, I want to yes, say. something like that. From yeah. Echeb, the one that Echeb's people um, uh, created, infected him with, and that's how his, his cube was separated from the collective. Um, I guess... You could maybe consider the the artifact from season one of Picard. I don't I don't like to reference season one and two if I can. Um, that was disconnected from the hive. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you could almost say collective. that was a that was a leftover from it was a relic from Endgame. Like it had been separated from the collective. Um, but this is all that's left of the collective is basically this mutant queen. Um, and some decaying, gross Borg. Yeah, because like when Admiral Janeway did that, it really messed her up, um, as in the Borg Queen. Yeah, and yeah, we saw. And the, now um, she's like living in the wall. Oh, it was, you it, could see like all of her individual ribs, like like a little yeah, bit of skin growing around. It gave them. me throwbacks to like it was very horror like. Um, almost like Farscape and puppetry, and because there are some characters like that. It's like. All that was missing, like, and obviously they didn't have the budget for it, but it's like all that was missing was like for her to be like moving around a little bit, like to actually be on like a like a gimbal kind of thing yeah. to sort of be coming in and out of the wall. It was creepy as hell um, and so cool. And like even though it was a body double, it wasn't Alice Cridge. Like she was doing the voice. Yeah. Someone was doing it. But the, the mouth didn't quite line up and that almost made it creepier mm. because – it was predominantly her voice, but then also you hear the collective sort of hum behind it all as well. So it kind of tracked and it just made the whole thing super creepy and super interesting. But what I found really interesting as well was like her organic parts were so decayed. Mm. Like she was actually harvesting organic stuff out of the other drones that were on there. Yeah, right. And they were all messed up. Had that line about, yeah, they're salvaging decaying component, like, Organic components as well as um, technolo- technological components. Yeah. So yeah, that's creepy as fuck. She's like, can, she's like a, she's like a, uh, an ant hive, like an ant colony. The queen just like consuming other ants just to stay alive. Yeah, so like the ant, so the Enterprise D has a normal crew complement, including all the families and stuff that are on it, of about one thousand five hundred personnel. Right? Oh, there's eleven hundred or twelve. Uh, I think it's fifteen hundred. I think I'm pretty sure it is. I thought, it was, I thought I heard an episode was, was about 11. Either way, the emergency um, capacity of the Enterprise D for like uh, planetary evacuations and all that sort of stuff was 15,000 people. Fuck, that'd be some tight quarters. Well, it's got... Although someone did do the math. If you think about it, like um, on the show, it always looked very, very like heavily crude. But I remember watching a YouTube video once and someone did the math and it's like, if you break it down, that's like that's like... 20 people per deck at most. So it's like on those giant decks that are like a kilometre wide almost on like the dish. I'm like, it'd be pretty Spartan. Like it'd be pretty sparse between seeing people, but it always looked, for the show obviously, yeah. there was always um, plenty of crew wa- walking about, but um, it's actually not a lot when you think about like 42 decks. So my, my point size. though is the size of that cube with a full complement of drones, I mm. reckon it would easily have had a million drones on it. Yeah, yeah, like if, if she ha- if she was able to staff it, absolutely. That, that's how big this thing was. Yeah, so in, in my brain, I kind of, I guess my my internal chronology type thing is I think I think about maybe like when Janeway took down the the Transwarp hub, like it's almost like all that she kind of, just the leftovers all just kind of coalesced into one, 
one sort of big thing and that's what's sort of been surviving. I know in the end game they did say there's a few of those hubs across the galaxy. Yeah. Um, but this is all that was left. Well, and it seems like... So, it seems like Jack had obviously... When he went there, the cube must have just come out of a transwarp conduit inside the storm. Because at, at, as the episode went on, the cube was coming out of the storm and mm. above the surface of Jupiter. So, and Riker did yeah, say something about bad. a transwarp conduit. And Jack did last week as well when, yeah. he, when he like arrived in what we thought was the nebula, we now know was, was Jupiter. Jupiter. Um, I Which do, is super cool. <laughs> I do know in, in some of the games and in Voyager as well, like wherever a transwarp conduit opens, there is a residual there. So it's like, it can, it's almost like a wormhole. Like you can't see it, but when you get close enough to it, it can open up. So yeah, maybe it only came through when it detected Jack in the vicinity. But obviously it had to be, that was part of the plan. It had to be there to then plug Jack into it and then use the big ball-y thing to transmit the assimilation. Which is why the Enterprise D was able to detect the cube when the rest of the fleet didn't before it got assimilated, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's many ways you could look at that. There was either the cube just arrived. I mean, maybe it had been there for six, 12 months while they were and planning all this deep, and yeah. hiding. And then obviously with all the changelings working within Starfleet could have been blinding the senses or, you know, hiding it or whatever it may be. It does give me questions like, what happened to Jupiter Station? <laughs> was, yeah. was that there? What? Where, Good question. So, um, but I didn't mind it. It was fine. It was cool. It like, was... The visually stunning. Yeah. Like super, super cool. You can really tell that they put in so much into the visual effects. Like Yeah. And then more sets as well. All the all the Borg sets looked fantastic. So again, same as last week. Like I know I whinged a lot and loudly about how much time we spent in fake ten forward, <laughs> but it was to pay for all this. Yeah, really. So it was. Like, it just it just sucked it took us ten weeks to get here. Um but um yeah, through a rewatch, maybe like a binge rewatch, it won't seem as painful. Yeah. No, they, they did a great job. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and so Picard, Riker, and Worf, they ended up beaming onto the cube. Mm. And Picard was like, we need to sever this connection no matter what. Yeah. So that, that straight away gives you the vibes of someone is going to die. Well, he already kind of like, he when they, they all, said goodbye. Yeah, when they left the bridge, like he kind of turned and stopped and said, it's been a pleasure serving with you, which is the Starfleet way of saying I ain't coming back. Um, and then there was that lingering look between Riker and, and Troy, and I was like, oh, fuck. So it's so me, so my, when I see like one of the new, like one of the Starfleet ships for the first time, and I really like the look of it, mm. the right side of my face and the right side of my body uh, goes all tingly. Interesting. But then when like someone like Picard says goodbye and you get that feeling like they're going to die, the left side of my body starts to tingle. I wonder if that's got to do with that whole like right side of the brain, left side. Yeah, of the brain I, d- I don't know. It's like some sort of neurological like thing. Like, yeah, put you in like a room with a psychologist and like stick neurodes on your head and just like test stuff. Well, saying that, I actually spent over two hours in an MRI machine where they scanned my brain one day for a... But, so, little side adventure. <laughs> um, obviously, in the army, been in the army for eight and a half years. Been at Iraq and Afghanistan, all that sort of stuff as an infantryman. They put me in an MRI machine to test people that had PTSD and people that didn't to see how our brains reacted 
mm. in a way to eventually in the future to try and recruit people that are less susceptible to PTSD. Mm. And I guess help detect it as well. Yeah, and help detect it. So, yeah, my brain... it's not just psychological. It's it, There's a physicality to it. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, so my brain reacts differently to stresses than a lot of people apparently, mm. which is pretty interesting. Anyway, back, no, back to... to like, like, yeah, poke you with like... Um, Oh, they have like they have little what are those little tiny needles, acupuncture needles. Like, oh, no, but they like, didn't do that. They had like in, a no. Little, I want to do that. Oh, you want to poke me with needles? I want to put you in an MRI and just like poke you with things and okay. just see what happens. As long as it's needles and nothing else. Mm. Um, yeah, they put a little screen in front of my face and uh, mm. they showed different images and videos and stuff to see how my brain yeah, would react right. after they'd put like a chemical, you know, radiological dye in me. As well. It's quite interesting. But that was, oh, that was five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, that was a long time. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> anyway, so we see the Borgified fleet attacking Space Dock. Mm. With proper phases. Yes. Thank you. Because I, I had an issue with back when we saw... The phaser beams, Matt, Matty's talking about. Yes. So back when that in the, the, the dildo ship, the Intrepid or whatever it was, found the Titan... And then there was those other two ships that were like circling um, Daystrom Station and stuff. Yep. They were all firing like those old school TOS, like just short little short bursts of phaser. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like a like a 10 meter long line of phaser. And I fucking hate those things. Yeah, well, there, there was still some of the like the pulse phasers um, going off in that battle as well. But it was majority, it mm. was the beam phasers. Yeah, which is a little more orange than I'd like, but... You know, it's been 20 years, so they're probably type 25 phases and yeah, else or something like probably that. Probably got like 10 times the power as those yeah, other ones. But I just, world. yeah, I miss, I miss all that kind of stuff. It did, I enjoyed it, but it did give me a little bit of um, repeatiness in terms of like, um, it felt like the end of uh, the last season of Lower Decks. And once you've seen the last episode of Prodigy, I think you'll see some similarities there. Yeah, okay. And then also um, that horrible uh, season <coughs> season two of Discovery with um, Control and all that kind of stuff, where there was those space battles. Like the 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 shots of the Titan doing the strafing run and stuff were badass. It looked so cool. I don't think I've ever seen so many phaser beams at one time. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, like, yeah, like, like. The friggin' Dominion War wishes it looked it had you know that, oh. that much stuff going on, and that was just all against space talk. Yeah, yeah, and I think it might just be a a case of the situation where it was in. Like, I prefer the battle scenes from the Dominion War, but it's enemy fleets against enemy fleets. Whereas, oh, yeah. whereas oh, this is totally this is four thousand ships all firing on one stationary target. Like when I play Star Trek Armada and I have a fleet of like ten sovereign class ships all attacking a starbase, they do the exact same thing. They all just like stand there in a line and fire at it. So pew, it's pew. you know, so it's it's what space warfare is. So um yeah, you can't really be mad at it, but yeah, I would have liked maybe a little bit of I don't know, something different. But it tracks. It's just a big Borg fleet, all acting as one. That's what it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. So, so the Seven and Raffi, they they retook uh, the Titan. Yeah, somewhere, somehow, I guess in the time it took uh, the the TNG crew to get to the museum and sort of get halfway back, Raffi managed to figure out a way to like put like a portable transporter thing on a phaser and just like shoot transports at people. Um, which is cool. It. 
I don't want to dig too bit, too deep into it because I think I'll start poking holes in it. <laughs> it was fine. It did the job. It was a fun, new, interesting way to um, get them off the bridge to retake the bridge, uh, which and was th- cool. There was that cadet on the bridge as well. Yeah, we're had- assuming cadet. There was just some... Yeah, his uniform, the top part of it was grey. It was so- grey, but he had like a... I think it was a hollow singular pip. So, I mean, that's meant many different things. Yeah, like, has, yeah. When Nog was a cadet, he had no pips. But then like when... When they finally figured out who Chief O'Brien was going to be, like he's had Ensign Pips, Lieutenant Pips, yeah. he's had that weird black triangly um, uh, material yeah. swat. You know, he's only. But for a while there, like through season four, season five, so that he would just wear a single single hollow pip, and he was a Chief Petty Officer. So I mean, I didn't get a close enough. For a second, I was like, "Is that Terry Metalis giving himself like a role in no. the show or something like that?" But after he started, because it was weird to just have this random guy in a different coloured uniform with weird alien makeup. Talking? I'd have to watch it again, but Seven does say something to him, and I think she does identify who and what okay. rank he is. So yeah, that'd be cool. On a second rewatch. Because um, like, yeah. Maddie and I have literally just finished watching this. Yeah. And, and we, we started recording. And we talk, so we miss things. So yeah. one thing I didn't miss then, and this is my- We nerd out. <laughs> this is my first little- uh, I only have a couple of notes for this episode in terms of things that I was like, you sure you want to do that? Yeah, I got one. <laughs> um, Was while during that battle- I, oh, they, they, uh, Rafi, you know, texts the tech and says, oh, the best way for us to not get taken over by the automated system is to cloak. I said that last week. Nobody listened to me. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. Um, so they're like, yeah, they're cloaking, decloaking, strafing around, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, they're taking fire every time they decloak. And it's always a risk because, you know, you don't always have shields when you're cloaking and decloaking. Anyway, the cloak gets disabled and Seven says... Without the cloak, we're dead in the water. That's not how that expression goes. <laughs> dead, dead in the water has to do with your engines, your mo- momentum. If you don't have engines, you're dead in the water. Yeah, a, a, a cloak doesn't doesn't pro- 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 like propel your ship forward. So w- without the cloak, you're it's without engines, you're dead in the water. Yeah, the cloak. Yes, yeah, so I'm like. Yeah, well, it was before that when uh, seven, seven smarter than when that. seven and Raffi and that retook the bridge. Mm. The younger crew members, uh, such as like the little Forge sisters, they beamed out, and then they ended up beaming into a transporter room. Yeah, with the with the beam weapon, the yeah. the beam gun, and then they locked the door. And I like little things like this. Is what makes me more annoyed when they do miss things. Is they made a point to just hover on a control panel and say that the transporters were locked out as well. So that meant the Borg couldn't just get back on the transporter pad and beam themselves back to the bridge. They were literally locked it. Like, it made that whole, like, section airtight. There was no problems with any of that. But somehow they got out. and then Oh, they just pried the door open. Yeah, and, and then stuff. that's when the LaForge sisters went mm. and phased the cloaking device. Yeah, so, no, that, that was good. I liked that. Yeah, that was all fun. It does also kind of, you sort of go, okay, the, the way they're assimilating the Borg, like the Borg are assimilating now this way, at some point they still have to go through traditional um, assimilation, I think. Because obviously Jack, we see, got full Borgified, like Lacutacified. But I'm like, all those, all those um, ensigns and all that kind of stuff that had been assimilated, they didn't have any cool Borg tricks because they'd only been organically assimilated. So they didn't have extra strength or freaking buzzsaws in their arms or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they were just, like, pouring at the door like a bunch of slow-ass zombies. So I'm like, 
surely if if the Borg, spoiler alert, the Borg didn't get away with uh, their plan and we defeated them, uh, but if they had gotten away with it, I'm sure at a certain point all those assimilated 25-year-olds would have actually gotten Borg components and actually got a more traditional... Eventually, I think they would have. Yeah, so they have a bit more of a, an upper upper edge on everything else. So, yeah. Well, anyway, so as they're, com- uh, like they're warping towards Earth on the Enterprise D and they get there, Diana talks about uh, quiet suffering that she's detecting. Mm, something which, she's never experienced before. Yeah, it was which pretty... Is a, which is a sentence she said a lot before. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, their, their whole idea was then that um, they had to basically beam onto the cube, locate and destroy the beacon, right? Yeah. And then... And Picard surmised, he's like, if we destroy the beacon... It'll stop the signal from Jack that's assimilating all the young people and they'll all be freed. Yeah. Big jump, but made sense and it tracks. Like it, you go, yeah, well, they, it worked. <laughs> they need Jack to broadcast the signal. They need the thing to boost the signal to everybody. So if you destroy the booster, then he's not going to... That all tracks. That all makes sense. And Sean Luke was like, yep, I'm going. And Riker was like, yeah, I'm coming with you. Mm. And then there was that look between Riker and Deanna mm-hmm. as well. And it just lingered and it was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like you you have to do this yeah, to go with Jean-Luc. But then Worf. But also he may not be coming back. Yeah. That was, yeah. And then Worf was like, and I will make it a threesome. And Riker was like, do you even hear yourself sometimes? So good. <laughs> so good. It's just... Like, That's the best kind of wharf to me is the wharf who doesn't know that he's fucking hilarious. Yes, he has got no idea. Yeah. He says these things and it's hilarious to all of us and he's just like, what? <laughs> mm. So good. But yeah, and then yeah, as Picard's leaving, he's like, it's been an honour serving with all of you as he sort of you know, looks back at them at the bridge there and mm. it's, it's like, oh, damn. Like you've got that feeling that someone is not coming back. Yeah, I was, I was very surprised that by the end... Everybody made. I mean, it's great. We want that happy ending, you know. We want all that. Um, but yeah, for a while there, you're like, and I think they've probably set it up well with, you know, last week we 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 lost um, Admiral uh, Shelby. Shelby. Um, you know, we at, up until this episode we didn't know the fate of Tuvark. You know, we've lost Roe. We lost Tavine. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of dead women. Um, so yeah, you're like. Somebody may not be coming back here in this. The last episode of the last season, this could be it. And it would have tracked. If someone had have died, it, mm. w- it would have completely upped the stakes. Yeah. I mean, Nemesis did it. I and mean, as much as people have issues with Nemesis, like, it all, that all tracked, like, Data making the sacrifice play. So, yeah, I'm glad Data didn't die again because yeah. I couldn't handle that again. Yeah. Someone else has a turn. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <woof. laughs> anyway, so, yeah, Picard was like, yeah. I have to be a father now and not a captain, which was like, yeah, that was, I mean, it's his time. Okay. Week one, like he's been a dad for a week. He can calm down. (laughs) Like bro. (laughs) If anyone has the, has the right to be like, you know, it's time for me to be a parent. It was Beverly. Like Picard's been in it for a week. Calm down, buddy. Yeah, so but yeah. it's the show's literally called Picard. So yeah. when, when they're when they're on the cube, Picard splits away from uh, Worf and Riker mm. and goes to find Jack, and we see Jack mm. fully Borgified. Very Star Trek too. Like the away team goes over. You guys have to go here and take care of the mission. Mission by you know I'm doing the side mission, and he's like, I'm going to go and do this personal thing. Yeah, 
Very yeah. Star Trek. I like it, it. It was cool. Mm. But Jack's um his Borg costume. Very updated Locutus. Very, very up and to me it almost looked similar to um, Cyborg from the Justice League movie. Yeah, I can see that. I just it, obviously black though instead of silver. Yeah, but it was very much like just a replica of Locutus's headpiece. Yes, and it, it know, really it, was it, it, down to the laser pointer. Yeah, and on the same side of the face and and all that kind of thing. The, so. the suit looked really good, and I'm expecting mm. that at Comic Con and all that sort of yeah. stuff later. Well, given if you actually go back and watch like Best of Both Worlds, it's like he's really just wearing like a black wetsuit with yeah. with a nappy. Is really all yeah, it basically, is. Basically, it's like yeah. it's like a it's like a carbon fiber nappy um, and a black wetsuit and some and some uh, white pancake face. So yeah, they've definitely upped it here, and yeah, Jack looked very very cool. And I would say I would say better than any of like the the XBs from season one and and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it looked really cool. And I'm really expecting people to you know, dress up as the mm. Borg uh, version of Jack for. The- the queen's going to be harder. It's gonna, if, you're, if you're really good, uh, you can maybe do the queen. Some people, it won't be so hard. They won't have to put makeup on, will they? Oh, <laughs> zing. Oh, if that offended you, well, <laughs> have a hard look at yourself. <laughs> Probably offended them because they're having a hard look. <laughs> so this is sort of the point where Maddie and I, like I, I thought like last week that the queen was hand face Wilson mm. guy. And Matty was sort of turned to me and he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, because... There was nothing else it could have been. Well, yeah, because yeah, like, there was that line, something like the Borg does mention, like the Borg Queen does mention Vatic by name, but I just... There were no changelings in this episode. Like, there was no... Yes, there was. We didn't... You know, I know what you mean, but there was... <laughs> well, there's still so much unknown about Vatic and her group, like... I was disappointed in that. Like, there's a lot of, like, if you think about it, you could have taken Vatic and that group out of this entire series and everything would have played out the same. You're right. Because her one job was to get Jack. And now we know her one job was to capture Jack and take him to the Queen. Yeah. That was it. That was her job. He did that without her. He did that with Deanna. Yeah, he got there himself. He got there himself <laughs> and, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm like... It was happening no matter what. Yeah, it was like, um, have you seen that? He there's, was drawn to her. There's that episode of The Big Bang Theory where, like, Sheldon makes Amy watch Indiana Jones for the first time. Yep. And and he's like, it's the greatest movie. It is great. And she's like, you don't see it, do you? And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, and she's like, Indiana Jones played no part in that film. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and she lists it off. Yep. The the Nazis still did this, 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 this. He was just along for the ride. Yep. I remember that exact episode. Yeah. I feel like that's basically Vatic and her team. You're right. Like, You're absolutely right. They were just this big red herring. Um, and it almost just, I mean, me personally, and like, I feel like I have a pretty good Trek knowledge to like confuse me when it comes to changelings. I'm just like, well, we didn't know until like we had to read it on Twitter the following week that, oh, her cutting her hand off was her talk, like is a communication system, not her talking to an- another changeling. And and then obviously it was like a deep fake face of the bald queen. And then we still don't know why Vatic chose to, like obviously we know why she took the form of her abuser, but we don't know why she took like a slightly different form, like with the veins and scars or whatever they were on the yeah, face. Yeah, there's still some... 
unanswered questions there. Like, we don't know that. We don't know why all the other changelings all chose to look like that same bird-faced thing, nor do we know what those things are. Like, it only would have taken a couple of lines of dialogue. Um, And in my head canon, I've got an idea of what they are. Um, And I guess other people have got other ideas of what they are. It's destroying my microphone there, Maddie. Yeah. That's all right. Um, But, yeah, it's like, I don't want to have to guess. Like, just tell me what they are. Like, what if you're going to introduce something, tell me why. I wonder if there's a book that goes along with this. You know how sometimes before the movies and the... I know there's a... There was a... It was I think it was called Countdown, and it was the comic book that was the lead-up to season one of Picard. I wonder if they did one for this one. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's... I, I would like to know more. Yeah. <laughs> that, that line from Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? <laughs> Um, if there is, and you as listeners know about it, let let us know. Yeah, I just like uh, d- DM us and tell us because I'd like to see it. Yeah, because I just from a as a creative person, I'm like, well, if I'm if I'm going to write this show, it's like, well, why am I going to change something and not tell you why I've changed it? Why am I going to make Vadik cut off her hand to communicate when we've never seen that before and it's not explained in the show? Like, if, if you've if you've got to tweet stuff afterwards on what what the intent of that scene was, that scene's failed. Do like, you think, though, that because we do have such great access these days to the creators, directors, actors, everything, they do deliberately leave things out to progress story and then just feed us those little things later? Oh, yeah, because they, they want the engagement. Like, yeah. there's CW actors that it's they're contractually, contractually obligated to live tweet while an episode is on. Like fucking Jared Padalecki, who's like a billionaire at this point with all the money he made from Supernatural, um, is now doing the Walker Texas Ranger show. Oh, yes. He yeah, doesn't need to do that for the money. He's doing that just so that he can still, like, he, just so he can get out of the house away from his wife and fucking, and he's got four or five kids at this point. He just, I'm surprised he has that many kids because yeah. he's been out of the house so much. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he live tweets every week. That's pretty cool. Um, which would absolutely be a contractual thing. Mm. Um, because yeah, it's like, you know, feel like they're in with the old millennials and the, oh, sorry, the Gen Z's now. Um, you know, they have to be like hashtag cool and be tweeting and Snapchatting and TikToking about stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, there's just so many unanswered questions about the whole Vatic stuff. Like it kind of feels like the last season of Game of Thrones. It's like all this build up, all this build up, all this build up, and then we don't get answers. So it's like when you go back and watch, Game of Thrones, you're like, oh, this scene is so boring because I know it actually goes nowhere. For me, I, me personally, I got enough answers and my brain sort of figured out stuff differently to, to I guess, yourself because you're the one I'm really talking to mm. about it most. Yeah, um, but you're, you're feeling in the book version. You're sort of creating your own narrative yeah. because the narrative itself is lacking. You shouldn't have to do that as, yeah. a, as a watcher. Um. Yeah, so that's that's a little disappointing, uh, and as I said last week, you know, it's I, there was just a, I think there was a lot of filler in there to get to this stuff. I feel like this this whole season could have been a two and a half hour movie, and we could have we could have cool. trimmed a lot of fat, a lot of fat. Like it's it was such an epic sort of season overall. Mm. Like if they were to bring any of these characters back now, it's like what could you possibly? It's like Endgame for um, the Marvel movies. Mm. Like after that, like. The Marvel movies have seemed a bit lacking. 
Like, what could they do now yeah, after this? Yeah, because they've had to reset back to zero and yeah. try and build back up again. And so it's yeah, it's like well, when you've when you've reached the peak and you sort of fall the way back down to the bottom and got to start the climb again, you're like, oh, yeah. It's like what what are they going to do that's going to top like this overall, like for yeah. visual and story and everything? Mm. But there was a really cool line from the Queen, mm. which I, I really liked, and I, I wrote it down. She said, "The future of the collective does not lie in assimilation, but in evolution." Because like, everything we've known about the Borg is that assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. Mm. But now she's talking about evolution, which you know, obviously goes more along the biological side of the yeah. the house, which, which I thought is, was cool. Which is a little bit behind because it's like, well, every time they assimilate a new species, it's to evolve it is, and become yeah. better. So it's, it's like she's finally catching up with like her own ideas. Um, but it does play in well to these, this whole organic assimilation aspect of it. Um and yeah, now she's talking about, well, she was, she's gone now, but she's I, talking about no more assimilation, annihilation. Yeah. It's, yeah, she's, she's, she has fair dinkum had it. And she's Especially like. Especially with the Federation. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, you know what? I'm basically on my own, which is a really cool tie in to um, Endgame in that that definitely did have repercussions. Admiral Janeway did basically destroy the Borg. But then there was just this last coalescence, just concentration of hatred and um, what's that? What's the sport term? The hail mary. Mm-hmm. It was that. That's what the ball queen was doing. She was. I used to use a sport. I'm so reference. proud of you for oh getting god. that sporting term, though, Maddie. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah. So she just like fully just hail mary, all or nothing, and she lost. Like this is like one of the first times I've ever heard Maddie use sporting terms. It's great. It's probably the first time I've ever heard myself use sporting <laughs> reference. And he used to work for a radio station at one time that did a lot of sports stuff. Yeah, that was affiliated with our uh, local football team. And my, my best friend's dad has a statue at the front of our local stadium. So, yeah. Anyway, so they figured out that fleet formation is a line of sight thing, mm. which obviously when the Titans cloaking is breaking that line of sight, which yeah. was cool. So Called it last week or the week before. I was like, cloak, damn it, cloak. Yeah. So anytime they had to uncloak or decloak to fire, the computer would start to try and reconnect to the, uh, was it the fleet formation thing? And they had to really try Mm. and cloak really quickly. It's a curious moment there where they spoke about like once the fleet finally did destroy um, Space Dock, which we didn't really have time to mourn for because we didn't really see... We didn't really see the destruction. We didn't really see it destroyed. And then by the next scene, it was a year later and it was rebuilt, so everything was fine. Um, But they did mention, so... By destroying space dock, the planetary shields were down. Yeah. I'm very curious about that. Like, that fascinates me. So, it's like, was space dock creating, like, a a shield bubble around it and the planet? Or was it a separate thing? Like, well, you'd, you'd think the planet would have its own shield emitters and stuff like that. Was it space dock was in charge of those? Like, I have so many... I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to know more about that. They did say that... Um, Earth's defenses had been destroyed. However, space dock was holding out. Yeah. So, but then yeah, because they were like, Geordie uh, had a line about orbital defense platforms yep. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that I, I found that very interesting, and, and it does track also because it's like, why would the fleet waste time on space dock if they could just go to the other side of the planet and destroy whatever's on the other side of the planet and leave space dock over that side out of the way. So it makes sense that if, yeah, if space dock's controlling the planetary shields, 
you need to destroy Space Dock to get to Earth. Maybe Space Dock so, can move super fast to get around the other side if it needs to as well. <laughs> well, it didn't seem to be firing back though, did it? It was just copying it. Did it have any? Um, I th- no, I think it was firing back. There were so many phases. Yeah, beams, it's it was hard. so hard to tell. Yeah, and I guess there was a little bit of debris and stuff like that when we see the shot afterwards. I mean, a lot of it was just kind of ships at weird angles and stuff like that, but there was a little bit of debris. But that could also have been just the space dock debris itself. It could have been, yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So who knows? So there was a really cool fight that Worf had with his Curleth against the drones. Um, he's <sighs> smacking the crap out of them with the Curleth. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reserve judgment on that until I can rewatch it again a couple of times because I don't know how I feel about the disruptor in the in the Curleth. I like it. So for those that haven't watched it, if you are listening to this, in the handle of Worf's Curleth, there is a Klingon disruptor mm. inside it, and because. Worf dropped the Curleth at one stage mm. and ga- or he gave it to Riker. And Riker's obviously a decent-sized human being. He's mm. a big, big dude. He was like, oh, he couldn't believe how heavy this thing was. It was super, super heavy. Oh, now. No, I think she was just, I was just, in my head, I'm like, did Rafi use it at any point when they were trading on the last Serena? But I think she just had those no, sticks. No, she didn't. Yeah. She just no. had the I, I thought that when I watched the episode Yeah, as it well. just occurred to me then. I went, oh, wait. No, no, that's good. Um, yeah, like, obviously, like, I own a Mechleth. Um, I own a, a Master of Replicas Mechleth. And, and you know, uh, Batless and, and Mechleths, there's nowhere to hide a phaser in those. doesn't matter how small it is. Um, we haven't had always had great looks at the Curleth, but the two pieces sticking up on his shoulder, the two handles are identical to a Mechleth. There's nowhere to hide a phaser in those. No. Um, so I just want to go back and have a look and see and, and just see, I mean, a it's, a, it's a fun, cool idea. It's, it's, it's t- like, I can't, cannot deny it is a fun, cool idea. Uh, and you know, Wolf even just says swords are fun. Yeah. Which I, I wrote that down. I yeah. 100% agree with that statement. Um, so yeah, I just, I'm going to reserve my... I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say I enjoyed it. I'm just... I'm reserving judgment on that one until I can go back and... Yeah, and, that's fair. ...and look at that a little bit more, that one. Yeah, I will definitely be watching this episode again over the next few days. That's Oh, sure. definitely. And look, hey, if, if they... If someone makes a Curleth, I would be very tempted to get one. There is. On, if you jump on Etsy? No, an official one. Oh, an official I, one? I, I ain't fuck around with Etsy stuff. They actually look really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've 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 made that mistake before where I've <laughs> I've gone to get a Batleth or a or a Mechleth from Etsy, now trash. That's why I waited and I paid top dollar for a Master Replicas one, and it is beautiful. Master Replicas, are they still around? Yeah, yeah they are. They take, oh, they're the ones that did Eagle Moss. They've taken Moss. They've taken um. They're they're like literally just like wading through boxes of Eagle Moss's factory and going, hey, look, we found a box of ships. Let's sell them at really high prices. And make some coin. Yeah, on something that we had nothing to do. But at least those ships are getting out there, which is good. Yeah, because Maddie's got a collection of them and he bought Indeed. a few of them to my place tonight to show me. Indeed. And he was even gracious enough to give me a Enterprise E. Well, I wasn't using it, so... Are you, are you using any of them? Yeah. When you say... They just by using them, they're just sitting there on the shelf, sitting on display. In my are you picking them up and flying them around? Actually, I am sometimes. Yes, but they're they're bringing me joy. 
That's what they're doing. Mate, I have no problem with it. I've got a whole bunch of Star Trek stuff. I've got Iron Man, all sorts of stuff up on the shelf. Although, I don't know if Maddie's ever posted any pictures of his uh, nerd collection. If you haven't, please do. No, very early when I first was talked into getting Instagram, I think if you scroll right to the bottom, you might see like maybe some of my bike mice from Mars and some mini mates. I did post my throwing axe once because it's pretty, but I don't know if it's still there or not. I should take a photo of my Mechleth and post that. Yeah, take take some photos, Maddie, and you mm. know, tag me in them. You know, put, put them up on social so everyone can see some of the stuff that you've got. You've got some cool I'm, stuff, I'm mate. A very private person. You are, but you mm. know, you're only it showing took, pictures of your toys. It took it took two years for a friend of me to convince me to post a, a, a video of me uh, with one of my lightsabers for May the Fourth. And so. give it another two years, and you'll be on OnlyFans <sighs> with my lightsabers. <laughs> Don't ask where they're going to go. A lightsaber in either hand. Mm. And a third one. Uh, anyway, Beverly mm-hmm. is really good at tactical. I mean, it tracks. I mean, she, it's a throwback to the episode one where she was kicking ass with her phaser rifles and stuff like that. Yep. And I love the moment where they all just kind of stop and turn and look. And she's like, hey, it's been 20 years. Yeah. The only note I have for those scenes is I wish Deanna had been at the helm. For that, imagine that whole, like, justice for Deanna. She got it in the end, but it's like, there's obviously the running gag where every time Deanna gets behind the helm, the Enterprise crashes. Yes. Uh, that exact helm, she's crashed. <laughs> um, exactly. So, like, Data was pulling, like, double duty on his station. Deanna, oh. Deanna was just sitting in her chair with her tiny little thing that has about four buttons on it. Beverly's up at Tactical and uh, Geordie's... Sitting um, in the captain's chair. Taken, taken control. He's in the captain's chair. So it's like me, if I was running this episode, I would have had, as soon as Geordie had to take command and step away from his original helm station, I would have had Deanna move into the helm position. She could have done all those cool strafing runs along. Because imagine, like, imagine all those shots of like, and it was some of the coolest CG in the entire episode, was the D strafing along uh, the Borg cube, the part where Deanna is, uh, where Beverly's like blowing shit up. Imagine, yeah. if it's, imagine if, like, in your brain you're going, that's Deanna flying and Beverly shooting. Like, to me, that's such a fantastic uh, closure almost or addition to the struggles that they had back in Next Generation where, like, there was that whole episode where Deanna, like, had to take the bridge uh, crew, uh, the, the uh, command test yeah, to, yeah. to be in charge of the bridge. Descent when we last saw Law and and the Borg and stuff like that in uh, Next Gen, where Beverly was in charge of the bridge, you know, all those kind of things to show them because a lot of the time the girls do get left behind. I feel like the girls and Geordie get left behind a lot, especially in the last few movies. Oh, and they stuff had like pretty that. big parts here. So yeah, I was like, put Deanna in the helm, give her her um her dues there. And then when they get to the moment where they're like, oh, my God, we can't get inside the cube. It's too complex. And Data has his gut speech. And he's like, yeah. trust me. Then you just need all of Deanna to go, transferring helm control to your station. Transferring helm control to your st- – six words. That's all I needed. Um, and it's completely earned. And then obviously then Deanna can still have her moment at the end where she senses Will – and gets the D to where it needs to be. <laughs> that phrase when I'm talking about her and Will is that that scene. That's unfortunate. So that scene though, where the Enterprise D comes in and strafes in and comes in over the top of the guys before they beam them out. Mm. You know what that really reminded me of? That mm. reminded me of where 
in Stargate SG-1 in Antarctica for the Battle of Antarctica where the cargo ship is over oh, the top and yeah. then the um, Prometheus. Prometheus comes in over the top of them yeah. to protect them. Yeah. That really just gave me those vibes. Yeah, but this was kind of that next level where it's like, it's not just a ship covering another ship. It's the ship coming and it's the humans physically looking up at the yeah. ship, which is, I think was a really nice touch. I have questions about the breathability of where they are because uh, it was kind of blowing up in an open space and the ship's there. Like The size of that cube would have its own gravity field keeping in the oxygen. But it's, but it's in space. And, yeah. and, and, it would have had shields. And coming out of Jupiter. But... The the D went inside it. It did. So the, the D the D flew from space inside it. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. To it. And if there was shields, they wouldn't have been able to beam through shields because you can't beam through shields. But I forgive it because it was a cool shot. It was but I super just cool. like I don't want to look too closely at it. Because I'm pretty sure you could even see like Jupiter Jupiter clouds like behind the D. So I'm just like I'm not going to look too closely because it's amazing and it would have been a very expensive shot and I really appreciate it and it's something we've never seen before. Mm. So I would I would love a see like the closest we get I think is like Voyager there those couple of and they're not great shots where like Voyager's landed on a planet and we're kind of, it's in the background half behind a, a cliff like <laughs> or a mountain to hide yeah. it and then we're like walking in the foreground. This blew that out of the water. It was so oh, cool. It you absolutely know. did. Um, so I would have I would have loved a shot of that. Of the Defiant, because I'm a little ships guy, so I find it's very hard to give scale to like a single tiny human compared to the D. Um, so it's like imagine if like the Defiant had come in, it'd be so much closer, you'd see so much more texture. We, you know, that's the kind of. But I, I can't, I can't. Well, I can fault it, but I won't. Yeah. Uh, it was too fun. It doesn't it deserve fun. to be faulted. Really. Yeah, it was. It was too fun, and Deanna got her moment. You know, I wish she'd had a little bit more, but at least she got that moment, which was great. And Jack, he doesn't want to leave the collective. He doesn't. And then Jean-Luc tries to talk to him and it's not really getting through. So Jean-Luc grabs a like a Borg tube thing and stabs mm. himself in the neck with it. He's like, yeah, he said a line like, I've, I've been running away for the last 30 years. And then he realizes he needs to do the opposite. Instead of running from the collective, he puts himself back into the collective to be able to try and pull Jack out. Um, I don't know if I bought all Jack's... I mean... Ed fucking Spillers, Spillers. just acted the shit out of that. Oh, brilliant. I don't know if I buy it all, just in terms of the character, from the character we meet in episode one and two to now, I guess I don't, I don't know enough about him. He was an angry, in- angry person who he had a lot to be angry about. Was he though? Like he was very like, I mean, does an angry guy like that, the scene at the end, once he's like an incident stuff and he walks on the bridge of the, He's not anymore. I'm still calling it. A t- I'm still calling it the Titan. He walks on the bridge of the Titan. He's like, "Oh, five phases. Take us to Malus Prime," and like sits down casually in the you know um, in chair. the captain's chair. Yeah, maybe when he basically did that like four or five episodes ago. Is that really what an angry person would do? He's he's you know he's still got that anger about him, but he is a, quite a suave sort of a. He's a bit of a ladies man. He he yeah he gives off the vibe of. Like he gives me very Star Lord vibes, you know. Yeah, he's he's suave. He lives smooth, by his own rules. He flirts. He's very flirty and confident, you know. Um, so I just I don't I don't buy the anger because we didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, I think yeah, 
I I have the hardest time connecting to Jack and Shaw. For me, Shaw was all over the place emotionally. I, I couldn't peg him down and connect with him and uh, empathize with him. And I have the same problem with Jack. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't sort of put my finger on, which is fine. Not not every character I'm going to feel that way about. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't connect with him. So I, me personally, I didn't buy. I'm not saying it was bad by any means. I just, I had trouble connecting with Jack in that moment because it seemed very out of the blue for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. to, to me, it didn't. I it it, it worked for me. I, I liked it. Um, it showed this. Like Jack was quite vulnerable because remember back to that scene where Jean-Luc was in Guinan's bar and all of the cadets came up to him and he said, yeah, that he didn't have any family. He didn't need family and he was in Starfleet, all that yeah. sort of stuff. And Jack was actually there. Mm. Now Jack, that sort of, I think, that stayed with Jack a lot. And then he's finally started to realise he's actually got a dad and a family and it, that, that was so, it was nice. Yeah. The, the problem I have with that is that was a flashback. So it's like from the episode where we see that there's growth in Jack, mm-hmm. but we have to remember that was a year ago. And then the Jack we see in episodes like one, two and three is a very like Kirk, you know, like, yeah, he's a, he's a, you got the swagger and, and the confidence and stuff like that. I think so, that, that, that to me seemed like it was a lot of, um, it was put on, I think. And I, I wanted and to, to see protect that. himself. I, want, I wanted to see that, though. There was, I, for me, there wasn't enough meat in the um, him putting on that act as a protective thing because he's been with his mum the whole time. Yeah. So it's like it's not like he's been alone. He's you know he's it's been true. there with his mum. So yeah, I just I want I wanted a bit more from that, but he fucking he acted the shit out of what he was given. But undoubtedly, Jean Luc had some great to- like stuff in there as well. He was talking about how after he retired, yeah, because he didn't have anyone, he was just waiting in his vineyard to die. Like he said that, and but then he was like, "Jack, hello, my name's Laris. I'm literally waiting for you." <laughs> Hi. It's like they forgot about her completely. fucking Like I really wanted to see her, and like, like, what's the resolution there? Is yeah. Jean Luc with Beverly now? Mm. Is he actually still with Laris? I have. I have two more names for you. Okay, send it. Kestra. Not mentioned by name at Kestra all. Kestra was at Starfleet Academy, wasn't she? I mean, apparently... I said that last week. No. Or was that, that in was, a tweet? That was in like a tweet. That was in a tweet. Again, yeah. the name Kestra has not been mentioned this entire season. They've mentioned Thad several times. Yeah, well... Not mentioned Kestra once. If Kestra is at Starfleet Academy, she absolutely 100% was part of the Assimilated... Yeah, absolutely. Not mentioned, not cared for, nothing. I have a third name for you, less important, but Elnor, very important to Raffi. Where is Elnor? He was on, They, they again, they had to, I think they forgot about him and they had to retcon it in, again, tweets last week because there was that scene last week where the Excelsior, the new Excelsior, yep. um, took back control. Yes, because yeah, he, he wasn't on it apparently. Yeah, which is the last time we saw him, he was, because the Excelsior was Raffi's old ship. So, Kestra and Elnor, they could have been out of the soul system somewhere, so they wouldn't have necessarily been assimilated. <sighs> Takes a lot. But where? Every Starfleet ship was recalled to Earth for this parade. So, there is a bit of conjecture there as well. I don't think that was all of the Starfleet vessels. You can't bring in every Starfleet vessel from around... 
you know, the galaxy I, into there because you would leave so many planets defenseless. Bitch, I said this episode one. Um, I think that was just the Soul Fleet. No, they wouldn't have that many ships just in the Soul well, System. Well, like, so planets like Andoria, um, Vulcan, they're all close to Earth mm. uh, in very short warp distance, I guess. Yeah. So there would have been all of those ships around that sort of area. I, it's definitely but not it, all of Starfleet. We, we, I, that's what they keep saying. The end jo- of season. Geordie was fighting against it. Well, there should have been another 300 Inquiry class ships there. Exactly. So where are they? They, they haven't retired them all because yeah. the Zheng Hei was there last and week. If you look at, if you go back to Deep Space Nine and like during the Dominion War and they talk about the Seventh yes, Fleet. Yes, the Seventh Fleet, yeah. The Seventh Fleet was probably as, as much or maybe half of what we saw attacking in this in this um, episode and they were the Seventh Fleet. So, yeah. yeah I think there's yeah, a little bit of a writing gaff there, of course. Oh, I mean, they've been all through the entire season. Haven't you? I've, I've been pointing them out. Haven't you yeah, noticed? <laughs> I have, definitely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this little thing. Of that. And again, it's not everything has to be end of the world. Like, it didn't have to be. It could have just been a bunch of ships. It, fuck, it could have just been spaced. It could, do you know what would have simplified the whole thing? And it, I guess it would have taken out the the, the stupid Borg um, centralization of all the ships. But it's like, hey, we're going to have a fancy Frontier Day show at Space Dock and we're going to unveil the brand new Enterprise F, this Odyssey class ship. And then they just assimilate Space Dock and Space Dock starts firing on Earth. Boom. It's so much simpler and so much smaller. Terry, 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 Terry. Hi, Maddie. Give me a job. Like, look, I don't want to write it. I just want to be the guy that sits in the corner. Just be the ideas guy. I want to be the guy that sits in the corner and goes, Simpsons did it and just tell you, just, just course correct you. Just, a little bit here, a little bit there. Just <laughs> slap your fingers from the keyboard when you type something wrong. Like Worf stabs a changeling and he falls down. <laughs> you know, and just you know, well, what's uh, what's the what's the uh, script supervisor? I'll yes. take I'll take that role, and I'll just be like, nah, nah, and I'll be like, extrapolate on this. Tell sell sell me this point. If you can sell it to me, you can put it in the episode. That's my job, Terry. 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 Seriously, Matty. He'd love to have the job. Yeah. He would. You know, it's yeah. better than having me rant at you. So I did DM um, Terry. DM or tweet? No, DM. You slipped in the DM. I slipped into the DM. With a dick pic? Um, no. What's, well, why else do you. Do? So I know, anyone who's slipping into my DMs, if you don't have a nude, then don't bother slipping into my DMs. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what DMs are for. Okay. <laughs> Obviously. Um,. Did he leave you on red or did he just not read it? He's not read it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He probably gets four billion of like, excuse me. He, he does not have as many followers as you would think. No, I mean, he pops up on my Twitter all the time and I don't follow him. I follow Star Trek and it, the algorithm's like, oh, we think you'll like this. So do you know what I actually started doing? Because Twitter was really getting to me, like my mental health. Like, oh, just Don't do it then. Well, I just, there's a thing up the top and there's a tab for following and a tab for like for you, like suggested. And if you just swipe it over to following, then you only see tweets from people you follow and it's so much more calm. Really? I need to do that myself. Oh, it's so much better because I only follow like 10 people or something. So I'm just like... Terry Metalis has only got 13,900 followers on yeah, wow. Instagram. Well, yeah, like I I've, I see all his tweets and I've tweeted him and I don't follow him. I haven't, it, I haven't had to. 
just says invite sent. You can send more messages yeah, after your request be in is that, accepted. It'd be in that back inbox. So sort we, it out, Terry. He'd have, he'd have four billion like, messages. It was a legitimate question. I'm not a creep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'd have sent a dick pic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I might have sent feet pictures, yeah. but you know. I mean, I'm I don't not know if he's down into that. I'm not yucking any yums. Not yucking any yums. <laughs> My feet are all scarred up from blisters and all sorts of shit over the okay, years. Okay, maybe I am yucking some yums. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a weird line. I don't know. Like, I'm okay with it, but I just, it felt a little bit weird. I feel like it's been pretty well established that in Trek, humans in particular have kind of moved past spirituality. Yes. Like, obviously, the Bajorans are very spiritual, you know, Klingons, Klingons have their yes. got, you know, all that kind of stuff. I know in Trek, it's been very, they've left it wide open. It's like, yeah, some people do this kind of stuff. But I feel like if you're a Starfleet officer and you're a human, you're pretty much an atheist for, for Damn right. most parts. There's just that weird, it was, it was sweet, so I didn't mind. It was just that one line where when Riker thought they were all going to die... And he just sort of says to the to the void, "I love you, Imzadi. I'll be waiting for you with our boy." Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, very sweet, very loving, but also insinuates that Riker believes in some kind of afterlife, and that he's going to meet Thad there, and they're going to wait for Deanna. But then, like earlier in the season, right, Riker, when he was talking to Deanna, they were saying that like all of the things that they've seen throughout. Their whole time mm, in Starfleet. Yeah, I forgot about that. They've seen nothing that would make them think that there is an afterlife. Damn, you just proved my point, bitch. Yeah. And I totally forgot about that. And it just clicked into my head. Yeah, like romantic line, beautiful. I actually think what he said to Picard was more beautiful. <laughs> um, when he had that line that was like, um, whatever you're thinking, I know. And then always. Yeah. Always gets me because there's um, – it's actually from Buffy where, like, Buffy and Angel in love. Angel's an immortal vampire and, like, he sends her, like, a birthday card or I love you card or whatever. And she opens – it's on Valentine and she opens up and it literally just – it just says always, full stop. Which from, a, from an immortal being saying I love you always, that carries some fucking weight. So I guess I've always had that connection to just the word on its own – Always mm. that I don't I don't use that lightly. Um, so the way that uh, Riker kind of split that up and just said, like you know, Picard's trying to say how much he means to him, and, and Riker's just like, stop. What whatever you're saying, I already know. Pause. Always. That felt more Riker mm. than him saying, "I'll be waiting for you with Thad in the afterlife." When I, yeah, I he, do get it. Like. It's romantic. Obviously, it's beautiful. Myself, you know, as an atheist as well, and you know, you're an atheist. Like, I've seen other people as, yeah, I've I've seen other people dying. I've literally seen people dying Same. and, you know, calling out for God and you know the mm. afterlife. Even they've never said anything about this stuff ever, yeah. and it's almost like yeah, in that they're, they're dying. Thoughts, they're like, maybe there is something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, look, I, I lost my mum almost two years ago now, and I still find mm. myself on Easter, which was very important to her. Easter, Mother's Day, her birthday, and Christmas, I'll go out to the cemetery and leave flowers because she's, yeah, actually, of she's actually buried in the same plot as her mother. They're actually buried together in the same plot. Oh, wow. And mum would always go out 
and do that for her, like mm-hmm. for my grandmother. Easter was my grandmother's favorite holiday, so it was very important to my mom. So even though I'm an atheist and I know she's gone, I still feel like she would be disappointed in me if I didn't go and put flowers. So I, I get it. Like that's what I mean. I I get the line that that Riker had there. It's just but a, he's, he's also a fictional character, so yeah. that's what I have to remember. But for you personally, that's just you, I think, honouring the memory of your mother. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not like that it's not like she's actually looking down, being like, get off your ass and go and take those flowers to the plot. <laughs> but in a Maybe way she is. in a way it feels that way. Which I is, could actually see your mum saying that. Absolutely. Though. Being like, fucking hell, come on, hurry up. Um so not yeah. those ones, Maddie. Yeah, no, the purple ones. The purple ones. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I just kind of yeah, I I get it because because there, there is that weird. Even though I'm just a hardcore atheist, I can't help but not feel that way a little bit. So I that's why I get it. Yeah, I but get it too. Yeah. As as a fictional character of William Riker, it just felt a little. It just bumped into me a little bit. Once Jean Luc actually gets through to Jack, and brings him out of his yeah his anger and yes. You know, gets through that borgness about his, him. His tantrum. His tantrum. Jack really starts to break free and he's ripping the Borg tech off of his own body. In. See, this is why I wish you did post stuff because you could put in that, that, that song from uh, High School Musical. We're breaking free. I've never even seen that movie. Soaring, flying. Anyway. Yeah, not my type of movie. I but digress. Hey. Oh, and you think it's mine? Yes. How dare you? <laughs> Mate, I remember you made me sit down one day and we watched A Walk to Remember. Sorry? Yes. At your house, we were teenagers and it had Mandy Moore in it. Was it a... I don't own that. It must have been a rental. Yeah, it would have been a rental. Back, back when Blockbuster was well, a Well, I thing. probably had to return it the next day, so <laughs> I wanted to watch it. I don't own that movie. No, I didn't say you did. But yeah, Jack's ripping all of that technology off himself. And then mm. when he walks back onto the D, you can see he's ripped the face part off. Like you could see yeah. the outline of it and like Do you know Do you know why I reckon that was actually? He just got sick of it? No, no. <laughs> I think it was a shooting thing because uh when he goes and then hugs Beverly, if they'd have hugged, she'd have been up against his Borg implant. <laughs> So I think rather than redo the blocking and have... Because if, if they'd done it the other way, you wouldn't have seen Beverly's head like in the shot. So I personally think it was just a... Um, yeah, we'll have him rip that off off screen so that when Beverly hugs him, she can actually touch skin. Touch, yeah, fair she, enough. she can touch grass and, um, <laughs> and, and hug her son. And that was cool. I really liked mm, that. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, and then we yanked it out of um, Picard's neck as well. So, yeah, it was... Um, but yeah, full on. once they were all rescued and on the D, the D is like getting out of that um, that cube as it's exploding. Yeah. Very cool shot and again. And as that cube explodes and the D comes out of it, you see the shields get hit with some mm. of the debris and it comes on, which I Lots thought that was cool. cool. detail. Yeah, because, I mean, as much as I love the Dominion War, one of the things that always looks bad in the Dominion War shots is like, no ships have shields. Like they just get hit and there's just flames, you know? Yeah. You, you see a, an Akira class ship get taken down with like one phaser burst, you know? So it's, it's good when you see stuff like that where it's a little more in, and obviously in the strafing runs, you see the shields and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it looks, um looks really, really good. Cause like in my head canon, there's the different levels of shields as well. Like you saw like 
the big bubble around the Enterprise D there, but then yeah. there's also the shield that's more like closer to the hull as well. I don't think the D ever had those. I think the E had those. That was the multi-phasic shielding yeah. or multi-spectral shielding. Oh, yeah, just overall the different types oh, of Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like the shield bubble. Yeah, I like, well, a, I like, like the bubble too. I like a shield bubble. But yeah. then, yeah, as as like shields, um, the power goes down, the bubble gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Oh, no, I, yeah, cool. I like the bubble too because to me it's it's like – it's an extension of the um, subspace field that the yep. ship generates. It's like we're going to put a, bubble, a shield bubble around that as well, around the warp bubble, and then we just but we're just a bunch of bubbles flying around through space, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Then we get a really really cool shot, and I want to talk about this because this is how it's done. So everyone has their you know their moment. They're all hugging and stuff. The comm system activates, and we see. The LaForge daughters, Raffi and Seven, all yep. standing in their badass Spice Girl poses, staring at the screen. The screen's way too pulled out. You know, it's like we're seeing them from the knees up. But they're all looking badass. And it's at that moment you realise that at that like between them and like um, the Doctor who – the Doctor came back. The yeah. Doctor from the Titans suddenly came back. Where, she, where had she been? Like, did, did she get evacuated? Couldn't find a quarters. Couldn't know. find a quarters. You know, it's the whole skeleton crew thing, which I, <laughs> we I'm won't not go there. with. But then you realise it's like all women, all powerful kick-ass women. Yep. They get their badass pose. I know a lot of neckbeards had the problem in um, Endgame where there's that moment where all the female Avengers come together and have their cool strut pose, you know, to... A lot of people hated that because they were just like, oh, it's so woke, it's so blah, blah. And like to, an, to, a, yeah, to it, a degree, I agree because none of those characters had interacted with each other before. They're all just put... It wasn't necessary. Well, it was necessary. Like I liked it, but it's just none of those characters knew each other. They were just drawn together by the power of their wombs and did a cool strut. And it kind of felt a little on the nose. It's like it wasn't earned. Just Whereas because my reproductive organs are on the inside, inside doesn't mean I outside. can't handle whatever you can. Not all women have wombs, so you know I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but then you have a moment like that where it was one hundred percent earned. It didn't feel like oh, girl power, woo! It was just four badass Starfleet officers who happened to have vaginas. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. That's how that kind of thing is done. You know, I consider myself a feminist, an equalist, whatever you want to call it. So it's like that sort of stuff never offends me, but it was just so cleverly done and so well done that I'm like, I, I can't see, I hope not, but I can't see any of the the, the discovery-hating woke police neckbeards being like, ooh, ooh women, nah. you know? No, I it can't was, see any. It was just a cool fucking moment. So it's like that's how all the all the weird – um, like on the nose, over the top moments that Discovery has had, that's how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you do it there. They nailed it. Yeah, it was just, we're badasses and what? Whereas a lot of the Discovery stuff is, look at us, aren't we badasses? Oh my God, am I, am I not just a bad, like look how much of a badass I am. Look, look, and look at the colour of my skin. I'm not white and I'm a badass. Can you... Can you see? And I've got a boy's name. Can you can you see? <laughs> can you see how badass I am? Whereas like, you know, Raffi, Sydney, uh, Alandra and Seven are like, you know we're badasses. We don't have to tell you. Damn right. As a matter of fact, stop looking at us because you don't deserve to look at us because of how badass we are. Mm. That's how it's done. 
Cool scene on the bridge of the Enterprise D, though. Mm. After all the rescue's done, Worf is sitting there in Deanna's chair. Yes. Snoring his brain out. Perfect. Like, just awesome Worf. Sits down, exhausted. You could see a little bit of wobble of the rubber uh, curleth. Don't care. (laughs) Because he sits down. Everyone's having these beautiful moments. Eye contact, eye contact. Hugging, hugging. And then the snoring. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's perfect. And they just look at him like, come on, man. <laughs> That's so perfect. Oh, yeah, that was... Worf has had excellent. some really great comedic moments throughout this season. Yeah. He really has. And I've, I really feel like they've allowed Michael Dorn's you know, comedy chops to sort of shine a little bit as well. Correct. As, and and it makes it even funnier too because Worf is not you know, the typical funny character. He doesn't even really know that he's being funny. And that's when he's at his funniest. It's great. Yeah, when he's trying to crack jokes. I think maybe that's why, I know you didn't bump into it too much, but it's like the stuff that I bumped into in the earlier episodes where he had that, you know, confession of adornment for for Deanna and a few of those other moments where I'm just like, I don't get it. Is he he doing a bit? Like what? That was him doing a bit, I'm sure of it. It wasn't funny. It was weird. I found it it amusing. I found it amusing because it was weird. And he tried to be funny and it didn't quite land mm. properly. Yeah. That's what made it funny to he's me. He's funnier when he's not trying to be funny. Exactly. That's, that's who Worf is. So, yeah, that moment was great for me. Um, f- after the climax. Oh, oh, oh. oh go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go, go. Hey, Look, we're, this... we're at the year later part. Is that where you're Yeah, going? that's where I'm okay, getting cool. to. All right, this, this is where things just kind of like stumbled a little bit for me. Okay. So... First, first of all, Admiral Crusher. Well, well before we get to that, there's, okay, a, there's a moment on. before that. So we have the great moment with Worf and Raffi where Worf actually showed everybody Raffi's... Um, well, that uh, was after this, but yeah. No, no, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's before the year later. That's... It's absolutely before the year later because from that scene... It go- <laughs> I've got it all written down in order. <laughs> so do I, and you're absolutely wrong because it goes from Worf and Raffi having their moment to Data and Troy having their moment and then it's a year later and they retire the D. I guarantee you. Because I've, I've, I've got I've Wolf got asleep down. in chair. Uh-huh. Admiral Crusher starts beaming out the Borg DNA. Figure out Tuvok's still alive. And then Seven's officer. Oh, sorry. I thought, you, I, think, uh, I thought you were talking about Admiral just, when she's on the shuttle. Just say it, Maddie. What? Craig's right. No. I can't, I can't do it. You can? No. <laughs> No, I can't do it. Uh, I'm not talking about that moment. <laughs> okay, go on. You remember the year So, uh, Deanna's counselling Data after Worf and Raffi have their cool moment. So, now Raffi's going to get to see her grandchild and all that kind of stuff. While Deanna is counselling Data and well and truly fed up with it, mm-hmm. she she is looking for holidays on her thing. She's, yes. look, she's looking at holiday stuff. Oh, this is where you're going. Okay. Then we jump to a year later. The D is decommissioned. Hey, what? I want to see a whole nother season of the year that just passed where the team's all still on the D, obviously helping out. Like, what? what's going on? What's happening? What's There's so much stuff and we just jumped to a year later. Yeah, did they keep the D in service for like that year while they rebuilt the fleet up or something? I That's don't know. what it feels like because then it's at the museum. It's like one year later, we pan down to the museum, the D's there and Geordie, Picard, and Riker all on the bridge, and they shut everything down and, you know, put it into museum mode. Um, so that happens. Then we have the whole 
uh, Ensign Crusher thing. I'll get to that. Um, cut to the end when we have the bar scene and Deanna and Riker are still talking about planning their holiday. They're just have they on, been holidaying for a whole fucking year? They're the whole grey nomads. So, oh my God. For those that don't understand what grey nomads are, I don't know if it tracks anywhere else apart from Australia. I think, gray, I think it does in, it in does? Um, like, uh, I never know what to call it now, but like. Do you know what grey nomads are in North America? The, the, the area formerly known as Great Britain, whatever that area is now, it's so hard to know. But it's like the UK. all the, yeah, but you know how like that part's not part of the EU anymore and then that part's this, it's too, just that whole European yeah. area. Great nomads are a thing over there because they all have their, they like to go caravanning. They go Through the countryside. Through the countryside in a caravan. Pip, pip, cup of tea. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of just want to get all those scenes and just put them into a different order. Yeah, okay. Um, just because I was just like, that's a weird through line. I know Deanna said she wants to get out among people again, so I guess it was a is a throwback to that. But again, we get we get two scenes about her planning a holiday and no mention of their daughter. Yeah, again. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Anyway, so Admiral so Admiral Crusher. Right. Yes. She's head of Starfleet head of Medical Starfleet again. Medical again. Yeah, she previously, when she was head of Love Starfleet it. Medical, she was a commander. Yeah. And now she figured out a way to beam out the Borg DNA. Yep. And then as they were b- doing that, that's when they started to also figure out who, where all the changelings were as well. Yeah. There was a there was a changeling. That they Riker saw. was doing a captain's log, and he's like, "Oh, and she's also figured out a discreet way to scan." Captain's for- log, Stardate one. Mm. Weird though, because. I guess he is. It's, the, an, it's a he, new beginning. He is the only. No, I was just saying he's doing the captain's log, but it's like, well, I guess yeah, he is technically the only captain on the ship yep. uh, because <laughs> it's all admirals and commodores. Um, I'd love to know what Data's doing. Yeah, yeah, like he had his his whether he's back thing. in Starfleet. Yeah, last time we saw him, he still wasn't wearing any pips or anything like that, or wearing a uniform. Um, yes, that could be interesting, but um, because in one of the books. I know the books aren't actual canon. Mm. Data was the captain of Enterprise G, but we'll get to that. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, we will see. Two yeah, bucks alive. Then, yes. All right. So, all right. So this is one. I, I've got a good question for you here, Maddie, and your mm. feelings on this. Yeah. Because this is a pretty big one. Mm. Right. Two buck gives seven like a hologram of her officer review mm. from captain Shaw from in a in a very star trek uh star wars way too it's yes. like a little disc he it's throws like a across disc hollow thing yeah yeah they like, help me obi-wan kenobi but he did this officer review before um picard and that came on yeah board. they said prior to leaving for the triton system where, where yeah, they ended up going was, in episode yeah. one yeah so talk us through your thoughts on that scene maddie I I don't know. Like I said before, like I find it hard to pin down sure he's I think he might be bipolar. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Because and again in the same way we spoke about like Jack softened after his flashback, but there was stuff in between that he should have. I feel like it's the same thing. It just if you if you watch this chronology and you watched just that holographic thing and then watched the entire season again, you're going to be like, 
So he's just a dick for the sake of, of being, of a, being dick. a dick. Yeah. Um, and they're just doing this weird movie cliche thing where he's like, oh, he saw in her all the whole time that she's going to be a captain. So he was just disrespecting and dead naming her for what? Like it needed a line in there to be like, yeah, she's a rule breaker, blah, blah, blah. That's why I give her tough love because so, I know she can take it or something. You know, they just need to be a little something more for me to believe that he's actually a real character and not just a, a fake um, character on a TV show that's just been written that way b- because. Do you remember way back at the start of the season, we were talking about whether Seven had the ability to be a captain mm. and command that bridge? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, she's got it. And you were like, oh, like, what are your thoughts now? Um, now that we, we've seen, we've seen a lot of character growth. Absolutely. So, so much, which is so great. Um, I never doubted her ability. Uh, like, so I remember you saying that, you know, we'd seen her command away teams and security teams and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you know, she's got that sort of stuff, but you want to see that her being able to command the bridge. No, I think, it was, I think it was more like, I want to see her want it. I don't know that she wants it. We had, we definitely saw in this episode... Oh, she wanted it. She is a... Well... But she was willing to give it up. Correct. So all I'm saying is back in episode one, or two, I don't know whether she wanted to be a captain, but that was part of her arc is she was so pissed off at Shaw. She's like, oh, this fucking isn't worth it. Um, I've, I've never doubted her ability... Uh, and she showed us in this episode. Oh, she is a captain through and through. And the best kind of captain, like Janeway, because she's learnt from the best, is you can be a hard ass and get what needs to be done, but you can also hug your bridge crew members and it not seem cringy. And when she hugged Sydney and Sydney's eyes were all crying and stuff, that was a beautiful moment. Um, and who, yeah. I, I wrote this down. I don't remember who said it because mm. I didn't actually write who said it. Yeah. But someone in the episode at the end here said, tears are the body's weapon against pain. Worf said it. Worf, like that, that, the, that is amazing. That's I actually line. really like that. That's up there with time is the fire in which we yeah. burn. That's a, that's a great line. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit like, yeah, seven was willing to give it up. She, she hands in her commission. She goes, look, I know where this is going. I'm resigning my commission. And then, you know, uh, Tuvok's like, ah, Uno, reverse, you're a captain. Um, <laughs> Resignation I, denied. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm not sure if you can do, but... Um, <laughs> it's Tuvok, he can do it. Yeah. Um, it's good to see that he's still alive. Yes, definitely. I do, I do wish, and I wonder if maybe that cameo was written with Captain Jane, oh, Admiral Janeway in mind, and she potentially turned it down because she has been very select. A, she's got Prodigy going on. And B, I did read an interview with her a few weeks ago where she said she's willing to go to do a version of Star Trek Picard, but like Star Trek Janeway and do do exactly like do that. But she's like, the script has to be airtight and exactly what I want for me to come back and do this character. So I'm wondering if maybe there was availability issues. I mean, she's Janeway. She can do whatever she wants. (laughs) Uh, oh, actually, I've got, I've got you, Phil. Time, I've got, I've got the perfect audiograph Phil, for this. Phil, time, Phil, vamp, time, vamp. Uh, so, Raffi, Raffi's talking to her family. Like, I thought that was really sweet, and mm. we figured out that Worf had leaked information to like the media about like who the people were that 
you know, saved the Federation. Yeah, which is something I spoke about yeah. early in the season. I'm and like, Rafi saved the galaxy last season and no one knows about it. And she was getting exactly. shit from all her family. And then she got- But now Rafi has finally got, we got that justice for Rafi. Absolutely. And Rafi's family's talking to her and she's famous. She's going to get to see her granddaughter. Yep. Fuck Elnor, right? <laughs> um, just going back to Jamie, this, this is Jamie at this point. <laughs> How long had you kept that for? I found it last week. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, so I think I think Admiral Janeway would have been a better cameo for that uh, that part, but Tim Russ still fucking nailed it. It was great. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a a personal moment between the two of them, even just a "I'm so glad you're alive," you know, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I also yeah. So getting back to what you, the question you asked about Seven is. I I think she did want it, but she's just so accustomed to not getting what she wants. That's why she was willing to resign. She's like, you know, I'm sick of this shit. You guys are never going to stand me. I'm going to quit before you can fire me. Um, Una reverse, you're a captain. And I think the tears she had there, I mean, a little bit, a little bit was from what Shaw said. But, yeah, I think I think I started to see the glimpses of she wants it. Um, and then obviously later in the episode, when you see her as captain, she's comfortable. And I think that was the issue is Seven always butted heads with Janeway because Seven wanted to do it her way. So she always, she's always had an issue with authority. Well, even Shaw said that in his um, officer yeah. review of her. Yeah. So but, you know, th- that's what makes her so great. Yeah. And now that she doesn't have to answer to anybody on the ship... I think she's a little more comfortable. She's a little more relaxed. I don't think I heard anyone say Captain Seven. I'd have to go back, but I don't think I heard anyone in that scene say Captain Seven. I think they might have just said Captain. Yeah, they just said Captain. Yeah, so so I think it would have been a nice little rounding, even though, you know, Sydney calls her Commander Seven and all that kind of stuff. I think it would have just been a nice little sort of tear-jerking button moment for... I mean, it doesn't matter because everyone calls her seven on the on the bridge now. Like all those people refer to her as seven. Yeah. But it just wouldn't just been a nice a nice little button on that moment to be like your orders, Captain Seven. You know, this brings us to the part of the episode that I and Maddie have. Uh, I, that, I've I've got a problem with this. Boom! Boom! So th- this this first part of it, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with this part of. Ensign Crusher. I don't have a problem with that. He went to Starfleet Academy. Jack did. They they even mentioned that he breezed through. Yeah, fast, really, he got fast like, track. Very quick. Yeah. You know, but this, so they rechristened the USS Titan A to the Enterprise G. Boom. All right. So the Enterprise has always been the flagship of the fleet. It's Correct. always been the newest greatest biggest ship basically all right it's the shiny example for every other ship in the fleet to adhere to all the any, everybody wants everybody wants a, sh- a position on it any important ship in the fleet you know that's got a good history behind it you know the enterprises they've got you know a b c d e f now g all right voyager there's a voyager a right there is Correct. you know obviously there's a new defiant you know yeah, you know, obviously they didn't add an A or anything to that one, did they? No, no they just kept, it, was, it yeah. was just the Sal Polo yep. got, got renamed. 
the, the Titan was such a ship that it deserved to get a letter pre- well, that it uh, suffix. Yeah, it, it, earned. it earned it. Yeah. Right? But to, the, to, the Equinox ain't getting an Equinox A. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, to, to go and take that registry and that name off of the Titan mm. and change it to the Enterprise G, I did not like that. Nah. A, it's a, it's a fuck you to the Titan. Yeah. And like, what is there no Titan A like now? That's, that's the, or have they then got to go and rename a different ship the Titan A? No, they'll like they'll, the, the Titan A name will be retired. They will go and do a Titan B if they're going to do another Titan. Ew. Boo. That's the way it works. So like, that's almost a kick in the face to Riker as well. Yeah. Because the Titan was his ship. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I don't get that. Like, yeah. Yes, the the Enterprise F was an Odyssey class. There is a refit version of the Enterprise F called the Yorktown class. Why didn't we do that? Why why did we waste the F in the first place? Yeah, like why? We've, why? We've there was ne- no reason to do it. Not that we know of. We've never seen it. Um, yes, it's been 20 years since the E. We last saw the E, but it's like, who knows how long ago that was and how long Wharf destroyed it ago, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you as someone who's like in love with the Odyssey class ships, um, finally get to see one in live action and it's retired. Like, why would you not make the F? I was okay with it being retired because I was, I was in my head. I was like, well... The next best thing after the Odyssey class is the Yorktown refit. Like, mm. surely, if they retire the Odyssey class Enterprise F, they will go to the Yorktown refit yeah. Enterprise G. Yeah, like, and but they and didn't. It's, and it's weird too because if you think about it, the Titan A basically saved the Federation. Yes, it when it gets decommissioned, the Titan A. Deserves a place at the museum. Yeah, if anything, but they should have. But now it's going to go there as the Enterprise G. And what if nothing it does as the Enterprise G is as ever as cool as strike out that what NCC the Titan A did? Yeah. Like, because if you think about it, not every single Enterprise is at the museum. No, we've got the NX01, the original. The A's not there. The B's not there. The C's not there. <laughs> the E's not there. So it's only like. The NX01, the original, and the D. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's messy and I don't like it. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't smart from a storytelling perspective. No. In my opinion. Like, mm. the, the Titan is such an important ship because it, it saved the Federation along with the Enterprise D. Give us a new, a new ship, which is the Enterprise G. Like, it's great that, like... If they'd have given us an Enterprise G that was a Yorktown refit and chucked mm. Seven in there as captain, great. And that's the other thing too. Captain Seven is the captain of, we can only assume, the flagship. Is it the flagship? Like, so... Are you going to have an Enterprise that's not a flagship? Though? So, after... After Picard was the captain of the Enterprise E, mm. he moved on to the USS Verity. Mm-hmm. which was an Odyssey class, which was the new flagship of the fleet. As an admiral? Or was he still a captain when he took the Odyssey? Uh, so for the... for the um, No, for the, Ver- the Verity. Oh, sorry, the Verity. So that was part of the 
evacuation of Romulus where he did that when they promoted him to Admiral. Yeah. And he got the Verity and that was the flagship. That was the new flagship of the fleet. So the Enterprise wasn't the flagship at that stage. And the Enterprise has not like that. That's the, dumb. The Enterprise hasn't always been the flagship of the fleet. Mo- a lot of the time it has. Every yes. time there is an Enterprise though. Generally it is, which is why I really hate that they've done this with the, the G. Mm. Do you know what else they did that was really, really, really dumb? Okay, send it. Uh, a Jack Crusher. Oh, what's my station on the bridge? Yeah, that was oh, a bit weird. Oh, you're right here as special counsel to the captain? Boom! Like, what's that? Like, he's an ensign. He's had a year of Starfleet training. Yes, he's the experienced guy. Oh, he's, yeah. He's still only 23, 24, or whatever. He's another fucking... Oh, but we have to talk about Ensign Mura being 35 in real life, too. Um, yep. But it's like he's a 20-something fresh out of not even graduating Starfleet. Really, he's greener than Harry Kim in a lot of ways. He's got a seat on the, the bridge. same rank as Harry. Back then. <laughs> how dare you. If you look closely, blink and you'll miss it, but it's like Sydney, Mura, and... Esma? Yep. I finally remembered it. You did. Well done. They all got promotions. They've all got an extra pip on their collar. Um, so they all outrank Jack. Yep. So he's the lowest ranked officer on the bridge and he's special advisor counsel to the captain. Honestly, I mean, Jack called it out earlier. That's fucking nepotism. 1,000%. That is, that is one step away from eight-year-old Naomi Well. Four-year-old Naomi yeah. Wildman who looks eight, being like, "I'm going to be the assistant to the captain." That, Gross. Blech. I've got a feeling that, like, Jack is a smart guy. He is. He's a yeah. smart dude. Yes, he's got a bit of a temper, but he's a smart dude. I think he he's going to progress rather quickly through the ranks. I would say, like, like Kirk in many ways. Because, mm. but I didn't like that position for no. him. Like, if they'd have thrown him in at tactical. Or ops or something well, like that. Well, that's the hardest part is he was wearing red. He's the, so he's command division. So yes. that limits where he can be as a, as a permanent. As we, as we see, you know, that can be changed. Like Rafi is now well, she's, know, she's a second full, in command. She's a full commander now. And she's, she's a full commander and she's, she's in red. She's first officer. So she's in command division mm-hmm. now. He's an ensign in command division. And typically the only other command division officers you see on a bridge are the helm officers. Boimla. You, you, uh, <laughs> you can't put him there because then you're kicking Sydney out of her chair. Again, Sydney didn't get, seem to get any resolution with Geordie in terms of that. Did they make up? Like when he kind of, when they had yeah. their little fight, that's the resolution back in what, episode seven or whatever that was? Yeah, something like that. that yeah. That's it. That's that's all they had to say to each other. Um, So you can't kick her out of her chair. Mura's been in tactical the whole time, so you can't kick him out, him out of his chair. Um, you're not going to put him at fucking science. Um, you've got Esmar at um, comms. So it's like, yeah, there's actually no place for him on the bridge. Um, so, yeah, I, I personally, I don't think he should have been in Starfleet anyway. I mean, he had that, you know, the speech a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, about where not wanting to be. Not yeah. want, I understand he's had growth. He now loves his mummy and his daddy very, very much. And he wants to be well, just... he always loved his mummy. And he wants to be just like them and... Because he called out his nepotism, we can't call him a nepo baby, but he's a nepo baby. Um, yeah, I kind of would have preferred him to just go out and have his own adventures. You know why? What happened to the La Serena? Give him the La Serena. Yeah, 
<laughs> what happened to it? You know, he's, well, I mean, we, is it still in orbit of that sun? That they, where yeah, that, potentially. When we picked up Worf and Raffi and it just disappeared. I'll go pick existence. it up later. I mean, there was a lot of fuck yous. I feel like there was a lot of fuck yous to the previous seasons in terms of... Um, I think this was no, Terry's way of saying this is how we should have done it from yeah, the start. Yeah, um, No reference to Elnor. The Borg had done. You know, we barely had that reference to... Um, Borg Roddy. What, what, what's the... Ger, Ger, Gerardi. Yeah, but people have combined a name. Borgardi or something? I don't know. Nothing there. No reference to Kestra or Elnor. Um, and then skipping to the Ed credits scene. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Q's back. He's back. Q is back. Which is the absolute biggest. I was excited. Abs- so good. But the absolute biggest... Season three, flipping the double birds, jumping out the back of a plane to season two. See, I know you didn't particularly like Q's end, did you, in season two? It felt hollow. It, to the, to the me, whole, I liked it. It just, for the for the for everything they've been through for the time leading up to it, it felt hollow. I still didn't quite understand, like, why he was dying. Like, given that there's a whole Voyager episode about Q and how immortal they are, and there's only particular ways that they can kill themselves um, or die. And it it was, a, it was a thing, and then he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm bored. I'm just going to – I'm going to – But now he's back, which is great. Yeah, because, um, yeah, Jack says to him, he's like, I thought you were dead. And mm. Q's like, oh, you, basically, you think so linearly. It was a little convenient that, like, he appears and, and Jack's just like, oh, you're a Q, you're Q, right? And so it's like, what did Picard go? So he's like salt and pepper. He's got a goatee. He pop like, it was a little bit of a jump, but it's like obviously if a strange, a humanoid stranger appears, um, in your quarters, there's only a few things it could be. But Jack's trial has just begun. Well, humanity's trial. Oh, he said Jack's um, trial. Yeah, no, uh, Picard as the the for, as the voice of humanity. Yeah, yeah, for the trial of humanity has has ended, and Jack's, Jack's has, just, has just, begun just begun on behalf of. It's like, wow. like that, that to me has got like, that's got some stuff for the future. I'm, I'm looking forward. Like, oh yeah. Be that's something. absolutely them trying to set themselves up for another yeah. job. Um, it's weird though. He, he's an ensign on the bridge of a ship with no real role. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what that adventure would be. Um, yeah. We'll see how it goes. But there's, it, there's a part of me that's like, it, it might've been too much, but, Obviously, John Delancey's son plays the yes. son of Q. I'm like... In Voyager, yeah. Yeah, would have been fun for maybe... I mean, maybe he doesn't act anymore. He's not interested or whatever. But it's like, even to have him pop in with Q or something like that. And it's like, Picard's son and Q's son are going to go off and... Yeah, and have that yeah, have passing of the torch that way as like well. That. But yeah, obviously, that would probably cheapen... Oh, that would be cool. Though. That would cheapen... I think you probably... If you have his son there, then you have to have let Q died. And it just be Q's son rock up to talk to Picard's son and be the two sons having their, their thing, the next generation, yeah. as it were. Um, yeah, but I think if you had Q pop up and he's like, oh, and I also brought my son, it would have obviously taken away from the impact, I think, of John Delancey being there. So mm. I'm happy with John Delancey being back. Whatever he was wearing was fucking cool as shit. That's the jacket I want because uh, <laughs> it sounds like a built-in cape. I love me a cape. Um that that last scene with the crew of the Enterprise D and E in Ten Ford, 
Down really Earth good. was really, really good. The one thing that I didn't like about that one, and I think, yeah, we spoke about it as well. They mentioned Guinan, but we never saw her. Yeah, like... It um, che- kind of cheapened it a little bit. Yeah, it just... It was it was totally perfect except for that moment. Like, all we needed to do is just see her come by and put more alcohol on the table and walk away. And, and knowing that they filmed two and three back to back... They could have done it. They could have done it. And it's like... Yeah, like, Geordie had a line. It's like... Oh no, Riker said, "Oh, we shut the bar down again." And and then Geordie says, "Yeah, um Guinan's been giving us the side eye for the last 2 hours or whatever the line was." And it's like, "Yeah, maybe not necessarily put her at the table at the end cuz she wasn't at the table at the end of all good things." Yep. But for what? Seasons 2 through 6 or 7, she was essentially part of the main cast. She was yeah. never credited that way, but when they would do all the production images, it was the seven was crew, there. Wesley for the seasons he was there, and Guinan. Uh, and they're in her bar. And it's like, to me, the perfect shot would have been, yeah, when they do the pull away, she's at the bar tidying up in the background, looking smiling or something like that. To me, that was the only thing missing from an otherwise perfect scene. Yeah. Um, so in that same scene as well, Data started to tell a limerick. It was a throwback. I can't remember what episode yeah. it was as well, but he did. He started to... To say the yeah, because they all did that classic data. Yeah, and they stopped whenever him. they wanted to shut him up, and he's like, "Oh, I've always wanted to finish that joke." So yeah, there's obviously I don't know what it is. I can't um, remember what it is, but it's obviously a reference to uh, him telling a joke in some episode. Um, yeah, and they were all playing poker. Yeah, and you know, once again, Jean Luc was in there playing with the rest of the crew because normally yeah. in the Next Generation, Jean Luc didn't play with them, and it was yeah. only at the end where he did. Which exactly, is really which nice. is you know what thirty years ago now yeah. in universe and out of universe. Um. Yeah, he's he's a different Picard now. So. Do, you know, do you notice Deanna? She was drinking some sort of a blue alcohol as well. And the only blue alcohol that we really know of mm. in the Star Trek universe is what? Romulan Ale. Romulan Ale. So yeah. is Romulan Ale not illegal anymore? Well, it'd be, have to be fucking rare since Romulus doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. But yeah, the, the one... Yeah, I know we already a little bit mentioned it, but Laris, what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice to know, Like, like, like you said... Are uh, he and Beverly, is everything forgiven? Are they reconciled? Are they going to, you know, um, try and, and be a couple again after 20 years apart? Just, yeah. You know, in episode one, didn't Lara say, I'm moving to wherever we're moving to? Because yep. the vineyard was was getting shut down. Um, I'll be waiting for you at the bar or whatever. And again, it's a, it's a year later. It's a year after. Ha- has he gone there? And lived with Laris and stuff, and now he'd just come back to Earth because Jack was graduating from Starfleet. And Perhaps. is he going back or but what? He, we don't but, know. But he also, like, straight up, literally, as we fade out from the one year later, that's them shutting down the D at the museum. So, like we were saying before, it feels like he's been helping with the, like, because obviously Space Dock's been rebuilt in that year. So it feels like they've been helping out and coordinating and, you know, doing all the stuff. They'd obviously Beverly's now in charge of. So it's like you would think that's not a time for Picard to just peace out and go hang out with Laris and get some Romulan tail. Um, because, yeah, we don't he – Be- were he and Beverly even sitting next to each other at the poker table? Yep. Oh, they were? Okay, so there's a little bit of insinuation there. Beverly was drunk, which was great. <laughs> um, there was a line something like she she drained a barrel of blood wine or something yeah, like she that. Yeah, she started leaning on Worf and, yeah, it was funny. So good. Like that, that scene, though – that didn't, to, to me, obviously it was the actors playing their characters, but that was also 
the actors being themselves yeah, as well. Yeah, I think I feel like by the time we got to the overhead shot while the credits started playing, that was just the actors sitting around. Like just, there was no audio at that point. You couldn't hear Maybe what she they was were actually saying. pissed. Yeah, right? <laughs> like that was just them. That was seven friends having fun. Yeah. Um and I, I I noticed it was very interesting with the credits, the way it was like the only actual like full cast credits went to Patrick Stewart, Jerry Ryan, and Michelle Hurd. And then the rest of the Next Generation who was like special guest appearance, special guest appearance, yep. special guest appearance, which was great, which probably saved them money. Not having to, but, I mean, obviously famously with the Next Generation crew, uh, was it season two? No, it must have been season three once Gates came back. They all collectively went together and used their collective bargaining power so they were all getting paid the same. There was no... And I think that's one of the reasons why they've always been such a tight-knit crew is because they didn't allow anybody to become a diva. Yep. It was, you know, and, you know, they all, and Patrick Shrew has been very open about it. Like he didn't unpack his bags for the first year that he was filming. He didn't think he was going to go anywhere. He's a theater actor. They all basically got him to pull the stick out of his ass and loosen up. Um, so, yeah, and because, you know, it's Patrick Stewart, he would command a higher pay grade if he if he demanded it. Well, he's Sir Patrick Stewart, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So... Obviously, you know, very early on, they all, you know, banded together and it's it's an equal thing for everybody. Um, so I think that's why their friendships have lasted so long. And that's, it, that's you feel that, like you can't fake that. Like it, it was fantastic, just them sitting around playing poker. That's, I mean, that's the perfect ending to, short of, short of them all being on the bridge together, you know, doing the, the Kirk, you know, uh, was um, second start of the right and straight on till morning or whatever. Yep. Other than that, the best ending for them is... Sitting around playing poker. Playing a game of poker. As a family, bunch yeah. of friends, having a great time. Yeah. So on IMDB, this episode has currently got 1,900 uh, votes mm-hmm. and it's sitting at 9.6 out of 10. Yeah, nice. I think... I ga- so last week's episode, yeah. I gave a 10. Oh, yep. Right? right. This week, I'm only giving it a 9. All right. Like, giving last week's episode a retroactive 9 or giving this week's episode a 9? This week's episode a 9. Fair call. All right. Purely because of the Enterprise G thing. Yeah. Like, the other things I can look over, I just... Yeah, that that to me do- doesn't fit. I'm there with you. I mean, I've... I've Like, the, the episode itself was brilliant, right? Great visuals, great storytelling, character development, wrapping up of stuff. Yeah, there's a few little things that still need wrapping mm. up. But, yeah, you get... They only have, what, 66 minutes to, to tell this. Yeah. Yeah, but... But they've also had 10 hours to tell it as well. Correct. So I think we could have lost a lot of the stuff earlier on and fleshed out more of this back-end stuff. But, you know, watching last week's and this week's back-to-back, maybe it flows a bit better. I don't know. Yeah. But there's, there's still that those couple of little things that, you know, don't really track for me on this yeah. last episode. But yeah, and saying I've, that, I've been, it was great. I've been very vocal as well when things like the line must be drawn here this far, no further. Shall I press the button? There are. Have you got it, do you? Not the one that you want. Oh. The line must be drawn here this far, no further. That's fine. I'll take that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's certain things where you draw the line in your sand and you say no. Just no. And I've been very vocal with mine. Uh, and yeah, that's that's yours. And I, I completely agree with you. The Enterprise G, like the Titan becoming Enterprise G, No. No, that that's, Not a silly, that's silly. It, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Um, so something 
I think we should do is I want to go back and now that I've seen the whole story, I'd like to go back and watch them all again from the start. Oh, same. So maybe in a couple of weeks we reconvene and do maybe like a full season wrap up and maybe some of the plot holes I had issues with I'll forgive. Uh, maybe it'll create some other ones. Yeah, who But knows? yeah, definitely. Because obviously we've seen each of these episodes multiple times, but, you know... Episode by episode. Now that we have the whole story, I'd like to just binge the whole lot as close together as I can, maybe over a weekend. Um, oh, next, what next? I've got next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. Oh, because that that, that the, Monday's that public holiday. Yeah, the public holiday. May Day. Oh yeah, let's do that. So yeah, let's just hunker down. So sometime in that weekend, like we've got a week basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you'll have Anzac Day off as well. Yes. Uh, I also do have a Stargate podcast that I need to record at some point. <laughs> That's a, it takes, it's a lot. Let me know which episodes these are doing. Anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think separately we will binge it all and then come Take back. copious notes. Yeah, and then come back together again and just see if some of the things that we've, um, we, well, I've had issues with. <laughs> oh, I've had issues as well, yeah. but not as many as Maddie. No, absolutely not. I think I've probably maybe um, got more in this last episode than Maddie does. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, the, my main things in this episode was just uh, Jack's position on the bridge and the name of the bridge that he's on. Yeah. Uh, everything else I was pretty happy with. It all flowed quite nicely. Um, yeah, I just would have changed a few of those scenes around towards the end with the one year later stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, last week needed a bit. I think some of the scenes from this week would have been better in last week's episode. Okay. Um, just cause yeah, like remember I had issues with the, the big green ball that we didn't know what it was and we don't know, and we didn't find out until this episode that it was the transmitter mm. and things like that. So yeah, that all makes sense, but it was just a little bit out of order. So maybe it's the editor I've got issues with. Maybe. Mm. Well, all right. So we're going to come back in a couple of weeks. We'll probably do a, a podcast there. Mm. Yeah, th- this one now, we've been going for an hour and 57 minutes oh, at this wow. point. This is our longest episode yet. Yowza. So we had a lot to talk about. Well, um, yeah, it's the finale. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, we come back in a couple of weeks and that'll tide us over until June when uh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, so Maddie and I were talking about it earlier as well. We are probably going to do Strange New Worlds. Mm. Um, the first week or two, Maddie's not... Here, I'm away. I'm so a international, not international. I'm only flying to Sydney. We will catch it up probably the second week, and we'll do two episodes together on that second week, and yeah. then we'll release them together. So, yeah. yeah, same thing. We'll watch it. Turn the mics on. Podcast away. Yeah, just watch the know, next episode. Podcast away. Talk until we can't talk no more. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Okay, so. There we have it. That is Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode mm. 10, The Last Generation. That is ostensibly the last episode of Star Trek Picard that we're getting. Like, there's that that was the last season, apparently. That's it. Yeah, I mean, anything, anything else coming on past that is going to have a different name. I really do hope we get a Star Trek legacy with Seven and the crew of the G and maybe the G gets yeah. destroyed. First episode, just you just see it as a fireball. And then we go to the H. Uh, yeah. yeah and you Plenty just, of letters left in the you alphabet. You just see them on a completely different ship. And it's like, it's like it's a scene from Futurama 
where you just see the, the the G in just a fireball heading towards the planet. You hear klaxons and it just explodes and then it pans up and the whole crew's just standing on like a different ship looking at the window going, whew, lucky we weren't on board that. Like, and then they're on a new prettier ship. The, the Titan as a ship, it grew on me. It did. Like probably not Maddie so much, but the, the ship my, it, it st- grew on me. Style. It's, it's just style. not an Enterprise. Yeah, it's not the Enterprise. It should be the Enterprise, but hey. not when not when it's the Titan A. No, mm. no, and yeah, because it's such the Titan A is a significant ship. It did mm. a lot for Earth and the Federation right there. Anyway, Maddie. Where can we find you on socials, my friend? Uh, on Instagram, at HighPitchMaddie, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. Let us know what you thought of the finale. Yeah, and you can find myself at Geek in Camo on mm. Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Let us know what uh, what you think Jack's position on the bridge is in, rel- in sort of relation to one of the worst things in Star Trek history, which is activate manual steering column. Uh, better or worse? <laughs> better or worse? Anyway, girls, guys, and Janais. Hey, he's done it. And we both got our stuff right at the end of this episode. You spelt your own name correctly. Anyway, until a couple of weeks' time when we do the full season wrap-up, that's about it from us. We'll catch you then. Bye. Picard. Get into geek.